tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. won't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, a new development in the Templemore Pool Saga. A listener is of the opinion that the ESB is an enemy of the state. We have a look back at the weekend's uh, sports. Our finances with Francis O'Hanlon of FIH. Uh, finance. Cara and Mark Darmody will be with us live in studio. We have uh, Global Politics with Thomas Conway, The Best Autumnal Walks with John G. O'Dwyer and Travel Tales with Fergal O'Keefe. So it's a busy morning ahead. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Right across the newspapers, um, the controversy surrounding housing Ukrainian refugees on the Indo. It says the government is working on a new scheme to encourage people to hand over empty houses to house Ukrainian refugees in return for financial payment. Also that story that uh, Pat brought you there uh, Patrick Quirk is said to be denied his wish to watch his Supreme Court appeal by video link from prison. (laughs) To the Irish Daily Mail, a refugee plan in disarray, 42 left without accommodation since Friday and the minister uh, warning those fleeing war may have to sleep rough. Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian ambassador says failure to provide shelter is unacceptable. Right across the uh, newspapers today as well, cover coverage of uh, the um, American uh, the American, the uh, uh, UK, uh, Britain's uh, brand new Prime Minister said to be Rishi Sunak uh, by all accounts as uh, Boris uh, bows out to the Irish examiner tougher checks and winter tense as refugee arrivals soar and also uh, on the front of the examiner today on board Planola has received evidence of a romantic relationship in the organisation that could have impacted on board decisions and procedures according to an internal report. The Irish Times, beautiful, beautiful picture uh, dominating the front of the Irish Times. The European gold medal winner Amy Broadhurst with her son Zach at Dublin Airport and Ireland's women boxers won three gold, two silver and two bronze medals at the European Championships in Montenegro. Also on the Irish Times uh, today, notice there as well that uh, the ministers are going to meet over the housing crisis for Ukrainians. So uh, as always, we invite you to uh, comment on those headlines 083 311 3311 we'd be delighted to hear from you now we spoke last week about the difficulties facing local groups and families in trying to access the swimming pool at the Garda College in Templemore in the past as you're well aware local people were always able to avail of the facility and uh, that was until a new directive was handed down which meant that groups now have to apply for a licence from the OPW to use the pool and joining me now is Deirdre Ryan, Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm really good to talk to you, Deirdre. We saw a statement, Deirdre, from both the OPW and the Garda Training College on this. Now, 
the OPW came back and said that while the OPW is consulted as the property owner, the decision around the day-to-day operation of and access to the facilities at the college is a matter for the Garda authorities. While the Gardaí, we saw a statement from them as well, they're telling us in line with COVID public health restrictions and the Garda College pool uh, closed in March of 2020 until the temporary reopening in March of this year. The pool closed again in June and remains closed. Any decision they're telling us to reopen the pool will primarily be uh, taken into consideration demand by Angarda uh, Shikana for training within the college and the wider current energy implications. So to be honest with you, Deirdre, I'm none the wiser. Are you? <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think, a case of, you know, um, it moving from Billy to Jack. Um, I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, most of that kind of implies that it's perhaps it's the Garda College that's making this decision and the OPW kind of stepped back a little bit and said, look, we're, we're only doing what we're told. Um, and look, it's all, it's all a little bit confusing. Um, but look, as, as, as a campaign, we've gotten so much support this week um, with an online petition there and it's racked up 500 names in 24 hours. It's up to just under 800 at the moment. Um We've had lots of support from uh, yourselves, papers, Jackie Cal, Michael Lowry. Um, we even had a mention in the doll, and uh, Eamon Ryan, the Minister for Environment, answered the question, and he said he believed the satisfactory resolution um, to this will be very, very quick, which is super positive, and we're waiting, I guess, for him to follow through on his word. Mm. Um, I did get an email from Superintendent Dee Butler in Garda headquarters in Dublin, on Friday, and uh, he stated in the letter that the pool had been made available to locals on an ad hoc basis. Now, I'm not so sure where he got that information from because the pool has been used by the public since 1965, and it's been used during the day and in the evenings up until COVID. Mm. Um, and thousands of local people have learned, been learned, uh, been taught how to swim there, so that that's not done on an ad hoc basis. Um, but I think the most important thing that he mentions in, in, in his letter, unfortunately, he said the pool is going to be closed down for the winter months. And um, although the schools have been sent letters that state the pool is mm. going to be closed down until April. And Deirdre, um, is that closed to the public or is it closed completely like to uh, the college students as well? Oh, it's, uh, closed completely is my, is my understanding. Okay. I mean, he's saying that the reason for this closure is it's expensive to run mm. and it's, um, it's government policy to reduce energy. Now, look, if this is the new angle they're taking to refuse the public, I, I'll go with it. And I think in his letter he said that the pool takes an awful lot of energy to heat, to heat the water, mm. and usage is only about th- uh, three hours a week. Now, I think he's actually given himself his own solution there um, now, originally he did say the Garda College, the uh, Garda College are using the pool, and now it's only he's saying it's it's only been used three hours a week. So I don't know how the ad, uh, the numbers add up. But if he's talking about getting the most out of the energy that he's using, the efficiency of it, mm. I completely agree with him. It's not all about cost; it has to be about efficiency. So let's be efficient about the pool. Grant Mark Filey his license, and the pool will be used for five or six hours on a Friday night. On a Saturday morning, he wants to use it for the Special Olympics. That's another two or three hours. Then give licenses to the schools, four or five schools in the area. 
Now we're up to 10, 12 hours a week. And if he wants to be really efficient, he can offer the pool a couple of evenings a week to adult swimmers. Now, that's what you call efficient. The mm. pool will still cost pretty much the same, but it's been utilised much more. And that's sustainable. And, and it's also the way it's been used for decades. Yes, of course. And you but have the benefit as well of, you know, public opinion being very, very positive and relationship with the community being very positive. Of course. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> look, this this is this is also about legacy. Mm. You know, um, when the present superintendent moves on from his job or Patrick O'Donoghue moves on from the OPW, what legacy will they leave here in Templemore? Are they going to be remembered for disregarding the legacy of so many guards and ministers that came before them who worked so hard in making sure the swimming pool was used by the community of Temple Moor. Is their legacy going to be that they left the, commu- the relationship between you know, the, the college and the community at its lowest point in history? And, or are they going to leave a legacy where they respected the past guardie and the past minister, minister's hard work and they kept the, re- the pool open and the relationship relationships intact. I mean, I know what kind of legacy yeah. I choose. I, I was uh, looking at the reply that Michael Lowry got in his uh, press statement, and it seems that the is the kernel of the issue this notion of commercial um, swimming lessons um, not being acceptable there, even though I know it was acceptable for decades? Yes, and I suppose the word commercial is interesting because um, nobody... Uh, in the history of, of the college and the swimming pool um, could retire on, on the amount of money they earned. Of and course. actually, Mark Kiley's proposal, it's, it's a not-for-profit. Uh, uh, Mark will be using whatever money, and it's a, really, it's a, it's a nominal fee he'll be charging. And he'll be using that to provide a free service to the Special Olympics. So it's, it's, it's it's not commercial in the way we see making a profit. It's actually not for profit. And Mark Kiley is continuing a service. Really, it's a carbon copy service that's been there for decades. And, you know, they've moved on even from this whole idea of not for profit uh, because they're talking about closing the pool down for energy costs, mm. to reduce energy costs. Mm. And I think every home in Ireland, every business in Ireland, can resonate with that. We're all trying to, I know in my house, I'm turning the lights off. Yeah, sure. I'm leaving, you know, I'm, we're putting on extra jumpers in the house. But I don't think any of us are deciding to turn off the washing machine until April. Now, I mean, the consequences of that would be, yes, we'd save energy and we'd lower costs. But our children would go to school with dirty clothes and we'd go to work with dirty clothes. So it's not sustainable or effective. And closing the swimming pool is similar, except the consequences are much more dire. It would mean the 800 people on Mark Kiley's list would not learn how to swim. The schools wouldn't be able to use it. It's not sustainable or effective in the long term. But I think if the college wants to reduce their energy for real, they would engage with the sustainable, sustainable energy community, and there's a local one, mm. or the Tipperary Energy Agency, or other experts in the field. I mean, County Tipperary, I don't know if you knew that, I know this, I didn't. County Tipperary is the fourth largest producer of renewable electricity in this country. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I bet those experts would be able to offer many sustainable, effective solutions to reducing energy consumption in the Garda College. And that's holistic. That's not just about the pool. That's 
that's that's the whole thing. The whole, the whole thing. Would, yeah. Yeah. It would, and and it would not yeah. impact children's but, lives. I but mean, for now, Deirdre, we're talking about closure, and and yeah. and it is closed, and they're not for turning. Is that is that the impression you're getting now? Look, I'm 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 still hopeful. I'm really I, I'm I'm really hopeful. Yeah. I am because look, I've I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks a, a huge number of um, retired guards who actually worked in the swimming pool as full-time um, mm. uh, swimming coaches. One of them was um, retired Sergeant Reggie Barrett, who was one of the first swimming coaches, and he worked in the pool full-time. Now, this man has won two bravery awards in his career for saving lives in the water, and he can't understand the decision. And there are other retired guards who are absolutely devastated by this decision, and they're deeply hurt by the college that their own grandchildren are not allowed to swim in the pool that they worked so hard in keeping open. And, I, you know, I think, you know, I don't think that Superintendent Murray or Patrick O'Donovan from the OPW, I don't think they understood the, 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 mm-hmm. the, 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 the impact this decision would have on the community. And I'm sure they thought, Asher, look, we just closed down the pool and no one would bat an eyelid. But the level of public outcry at this decision infers it was the wrong decision. Now they do understand how the decision affects the right. community. And, and to our listeners, Deirdre, is there anything else they can do to help where this is concerned? Look, keep, keep offering support. We're organising a peaceful public protest at the weekend. We're going to march up to the, the Garda College. Um, I mean, if, if, if only a fraction of the people who've supported us come and then they bring their children and yeah. they bring their grandchildren, we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people there allowing their voice to be heard. And it's, it's not just this protest, it's following protest, we continue. This isn't going to just fizzle out, it's actually going to get bigger. And, and you know, it's not just about what, what the campaign can do. Now it's about what the Gardaí can do, the headquarters can do, the OPW can do. They now know the level of feeling in the area. They now know um, how how it's worked in the past, excuse me. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's, they can now reverse their decision because they know now the wonderful tradition. They can work with sustainable energy agencies. They can let children have access to the pool. I want them to make the right choice. You know, this has worked since 1965. There are more sustainable, more efficient energy yes. solutions. And, you know, I- it's not about... Okay, and tell me about your protest. Your protest is happening at the weekend. What what day and what time? We're, we're hoping it's going to happen on, on Saturday okay. and that has to be confirmed. Um, and, you know, it'll just be, you know, the community, um, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people, lots of children, they can start making their little placards and their posters. And we're just, again, it's just a way where we can peacefully and respectfully okay. let our voice be heard. Right. Because this isn't about getting it right or getting it right all the time. This is just about the Gardaí and the OPW putting it right. All right. Well, dear, we will follow the story and uh, uh, we wish you the very, very best of luck uh, where this is concerned because I think it's vitally important indeed for not just for Templemore indeed, but for the surrounding area as well. Good to talk to you, Deirdre. Thank you for you your time too. this morning. Thank, so Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Uh, that's uh, Deirdre there about that ongoing saga of the pool at the Garda College in Templemore. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by John Harney of Harney's final furlong in Clarehan. Good morning to you, John.
Morning, Frank. Good to talk to you today. You posted uh, last week, and I was very interested uh, to read it, that oil prices continue to fall to levels not seen in weeks and still were paying a feral premium at the pumps, John. That's right. Now, I must, I must stress I'm not an expert on oil prices or whatever. I know the price of dollars, medics or dollar Heineken, <laughs> but oil wouldn't be my, my best. I, I just bought it in an article you know, the way you scroll down through Facebook, yeah. Twitter, or whatever. And it said that the oil prices had dropped. Mm. And when I went into it, uh, from what I can gather, there were 95 97 for a barrel of oil last week, or last month. Mm. And they're 88 22 last Friday. Yes. And that's a decrease of 8%. And that's all down from a high of, I think it got up to about um, 119 as far as I remember at one point or other along the way but you're making the point that that's not being reflected to to consumers yeah and in fairness like I'd I'd know that's Clamalise Sean Conley I've dealt with him all my life I know that I'm in care people customer there I I don't think it's a a garage like the the pump issue Mm -hmm. there's somebody somewhere making a good few quid out of this because if it was kind of a cartel thing where we all got together and said, we'll charge so much, somebody would break rank somewhere. You know, it's very hard to get everybody yes. together. Well, I, I had a look at it, John, but you'd want to be Sherlock Holmes to figure it all out. I, I From what I gather, what they're saying is that, OK, the crude oil is down, but the refining of the oil into diesel or petrol is where the issue is. And that's been uh, impeded by both COVID and the war in Ukraine. Now, I'm not sure what they'd find to blame everything on if they didn't have the war in Ukraine yeah. and COVID. When, when it went up to two euros before... yes. That was the excuse they gave. That mm. was refinery costs. Yes. So they're built into the cost already. To be the same as me saying, well, look, lads, uh, the electricity has gone up, so I'm charging X for a pint. And then the following week, then it's going up again, even though the costs are the same. Like, you can't, they couldn't be increasing that much the whole time. It had to increase 20%. Yes, but they are saying that refineries in US and indeed in China have been shut down as well and uh, they're impeded in some way so that's that's the excuse John I'm not I'm not saying it but yeah, that's their excuse I, I, I just what fascinates me is that we have loads of TDs that we all roll along and nobody questions anything yeah, yeah. like I think if if the if the price of oil dropped that's surely a headline act that we have some kind of hope to get out of this mess at some stage but there's not a word about it. But if the price goes up, if the barrel goes up, all of a sudden, that justifies everything. Like, And this war in Ukraine, like, I, I don't know, but like, we had COVID to blame stuff mm. and we had Ukraine to blame stuff. Yeah. Last week, I listened to your show and you were talking about uh, the problems on the streets of Clonmel with the yeah. drugs. You know? yeah. And I, I was kind of across this boat going along the road there was no mention of St. Michael's being closed. Well, we, we've mentioned it a lot over the years. and yeah. you know, yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, if St. Michael's was there, some of those young people that are in trouble, mm. that on a particular day could go to St. Michael's yeah. and sign themselves in, and maybe it wouldn't solve it for them, but to give them a reprieve and overtime. I know loads of people who were addicted to alcohol who got sober through St. Michael's, just going in there and getting away. But we seem to 
I don't know what it is like. Um, there's nobody. There's a lot of of this stuff is caused by government, mm. and we're being deflected. It's you, the refinery costs, like it's the gas, uh, it's the courts. There's always an excuse you're saying to me. That's that, it. We're that being deflected you? from the core issue. The reality is they closed St. Michael's. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely on, on that, John. St. Michael's closing was one of the worst decisions ever because I'm, I'm well aware of the situation in Kilkenny and that is not an alternative. I can guarantee you I, that. I was, I was, I have visited people in the hospital in Kilkenny. Yeah. And my God, if yeah. you were there as well, friend, like yeah. we won't say anything because, yeah. but uh, oh my God, that's yeah. all I can say, you know. So I, I just feel that we accept everything and nobody questions anything. And I, I'm probably still suffering from the nine euro meal in COVID, you know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I still have an overrun of that. That's, everybody ran along with it. Do you know, people won't believe that in a few years' time. But that's what happened, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> and like they changed it then. That I, I served a meal through a caterer, but because I had in the kitchen, I had to close down, even though it was an official caterer. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing again mm-hmm. and hash it, but we don't question it. And if the, if there's a if there's a big hubbub when they bring in something, well then they'll pull back. But, but do, do you not think, question. John, that in general? There's little questioning of anything. Um, it's it's all single narrative. And if you dispute something or even if you just discuss it, you're seen to be a conspiracy theorist or somebody who is trying to rock the boat or something like that, you know? Yeah, I I, I just, like, I like Michael McNamara, the TD from Clare, yeah. because he deals in facts and he questions stuff. Mm. And there's a great guy on Twitter called uh, Con Murphy, at Con Murphy Carlo is his address. But he's top class. Like last Friday in in Ireland, we had 64 free beds in the health system. 64 in the entire country? Yeah, yeah. No, that wasn't, that wasn't highlighted. Mm. So we spent all this money and we're still in this position. But like, it went unnoticed. I, I followed that Con Murphy chat and he, if he says something, he puts it up what he's he verifies it with the facts, like from the HSE numbers. Mm. But like that's in, that's incredible. We haven't even hit winter yet. Yes. So I'm just maybe I I was sitting in the carrier today in the village, looking down, and there's a blue sky, sun is shining. There's the trees are absolutely beautiful, and I'm saying, do I want to get in this rabbit hole again? Mm. But if we don't actually start questioning stuff, mm-hmm. it's going to keep going on. Yeah, we we have to we have to question it. There's there's no doubt whatsoever. What what about the energy costs? What what have you seen there, John, over the last while? Um, ours would probably have uh, doubled. You see, we put in the kitchen last year, so it's hard to compare. Mm. But but the unit rate has doubled, and with the government's forty percent, that's the equivalent to twenty percent of that you can get a rebate from. And they reckon that through savings you should be able to get it back by 30%. Right. That we waste a lot. That would be just leaving stuff plugged in and leaving boilers on or whatever, coffee machines. So we're we're more conservative now, especially during the week. We said a glass washer doesn't go on until our trays are full of dirty glasses ready to be washed and then we switch it on. Whereas before, we'd have gone in at 5 o'clock and straight away the glass machine would have been on. 
So we would have wasted a good bit as well. But um, I, I, I was due to give in my reading on the 5th of October, which I did, and I didn't get a bill. So I emailed uh, Electric Ireland last Thursday and I said, look, I want to pay my bill. I want to know because, I, you know, you, you mm. want to manage your costs. Yeah. So I got an email back to say that they have a problem with their software and that invoices won't be issued for another few days. So what's happening now is that people who owe their ESB bill will have cash flow that's not really theirs because you're going into a later bill. Of course, yeah. And then it will come back as an earlier bill next time because it will come back at the same time. So there's, there's all kinds of challenges. Because they have a problem with software, I imagine. My God. Yeah. And the other, the other thing is too, like we'll say, yeah. with the Pope, we put up to point twenty cents. So we went from from four fifty, four seventy for a pint of Guinness, and from four eighty to five for a pint of Lager, because we had to take some of the hit ourselves and kind of work a little bit harder for a little bit less and try and increase our business. But other companies just seem to pass on the costs, full costs. There's no kind of watching what they're doing or whatever. Yeah, and I saw that over the summer, to be honest with you, John. And if I was a tourist coming into this country over the summer, I, I would have felt I was roasted with some of the prices, you know? I really yeah, would. Yeah, but we're, we're trying to house, I've, I've no issue with refugees or whatever. We had 10,000 homeless in Dublin and we couldn't handle them. Yeah. And now 45,000 refugees come in and we're trying to house them. Yeah, well, it's, so a, it's much more than know, that, actually. Yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want to sound cynical, but like, those are the realities that are going on mm. and like in the next election for me I'm going to vote second whatever party I'm going to go with I'm going to go vote for second choice I'm not voting for second TDs unless they're independent that's for me so I'm saying to you Be- because of the job they've done is that it? well I think you see if, if we'll just say if you're a Fianna Fáil TD mm. and your your name is Mr A and you are holding the seat mm. Well, Mrs. B will say, take take uh, Jackie Cal and Milda Goldsbury or Michael, uh, Michael Murphy and Gareth Ahern would be probably the preferred candidate. Well, to my mind, if you want to protest, you vote for the second candidate because the sitting TD isn't questioning stuff. He's not. He's going along with everything. It's an interesting way to look at it, John, that's for sure. And I'm sure you'll you'll have people quaking in their boots out there. But uh, that thought... Yeah, if, sorry, it, no, it, it, yeah and is that what you're hearing? Is that what you're hearing from your customers as well? Are you hearing this sort of discontent? Wait, everybody everybody seems to be a little bit angry about the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I, I was here last week and there was a chap here and they were talking about diesel costs. Mm. And this fellow said, uh, I just filled up today and... I'm going to be in bad humour for the day and I'll get on with it and I'll be okay tomorrow. And this other fellow says, I wouldn't fill up at any stage because if you fill up, you're using more diesel trying to carry the full tank than you are the half tank. Yeah. Imagine that stuff going on. Like. You're down to the finer points like that. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, John, it's always good to talk to you and best thanks. of luck to you. And thanks for coming it, on with me, John. I hope I didn't depress too many people. Now, and I hope you have a good week. It's a beautiful day and we'll get on with it. Thanks, All right, John. Thanks very much indeed. John Harney there from the uh, fantastic uh, Harney's final furlong there in Clareham. We'll take a break back in a moment. Tip today.
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Just to give you a taste of what's coming into us today, a listener says there's no bother with uh, housing if they were genuinely from Ukraine. The other countries are using this as a way into Europe, uh, says a listener on 083-311-3311. Fran, petrol is much more expensive to refine than diesel. So pray tell, why is diesel now so much more expensive than petrol at the pumps? Green policies, do you think? And an effort to, to wean us off a dirty diesel, says a listener. Somebody else onto us by text to say, Fran, how in God's name are Ukrainians getting on planes and simply arriving here? What incompetent state agency is coordinating this fiasco? And uh, the listener goes on to say, secondly, how are so many of the refugees now suddenly young males that look like their combat age? Please explain. I can't explain. I don't know. I don't know. I know that at one stage, and I think it's still the case, that it was illegal to leave Ukraine if you were of fighting age and I think that was 18 uh, up to 50s somewhere Um, so I can't answer you that I don't know why that is the case and there's no vetting to the best of my knowledge so if you're from Ukraine and you arrive you're looked after simple as that Fran I saw diesel in Kilkenny yesterday at 2 euros and 10 cent and that comes in from Jim who's in Clanmel €2.10, well, that's uh, fairly steep, isn't it? Um, What about prices around the county? Could you tell me? What what are you seeing out there at the pumps, Uh, diesel and petrol? Uh, Refreshing to hear this man speaking. That's making reference to John Heaney there. We all need to question and uh, what we are now constantly being told we shouldn't accept. Um, my local in West Tip, four fifty for a pint of Guinness, Fran, and four eighty for a lager. And she says it's dear enough. And that's in from Joe uh, today. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007 And you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Now the incredible... 11-year-old Cara Darmody sat the junior cert maths exam this year, still waiting for her results. Uh, we've been rooting for her since she came into our studio to raise funds for vital autism services. And Cara and her dad, Mark, joining me now in studio once again. And good morning to you both, and thank you for, morning, for coming Hello, in Fran. to us today. Hello, Cara. Hello, Hello. Mark. Good morning. 
The latest. Tell me the latest. The minister, Josefa Madigan, she was at your school, was she? Yeah, she came to our school on Friday and she came to see the autism classes as she promised back in May when I met her and she was really, really nice and Senator Garda Horan came as well and other people came too and she also came to our class as well and she stayed in our class for five minutes, I suppose, mm. and I got to give her a math sum. So, did, yeah. you, did she fail? Well, she got Garda Heron to do it, so I can't say she failed. <laughs> but she needed some help with it, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, <laughs> she did. But Very she didn't good. fail, because if she failed, that means she would have got it wrong, but she didn't, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you put her in a nice position there, I'm sure. Yeah, I did. What, what did she have to say to you? Did you get a one-to-one with her? Were you chatting to her personally? Yeah, I made a speech to her, I suppose, mm. like that. It was really nice to meet her, and about my fundraiser, how I raised 40,000 euro for the junior start math exam mm. and I suppose I made a speech for her as well and I made a funny poem Did as you? well so yeah yeah can you can you do the funny poem for us you do have a poem for yeah us, I do, do you? I do have a poem for you yes okay right and are you going to do that now or will you do it later um your choice okay well I'll tell you hang, hang on to it for for a moment Mark you you met the minister as well what what kind of a, a meeting was it? I mean, was it a photo op or was yeah, it? Yeah, look, Fran, I suppose, look, to be honest, last May, um, I suppose we did put pressure on her that she needed to come down and see the schools first. Yes. And so, look, I, I suppose we have to give credit there. She came down and she also came to the special schools in Cashel as well. Mm. Uh, but I suppose what, what the concern is, is that we're at the table last May. We're saying you need to come down and they come down to see the couple of schools. But like, you, you know, you could argue, what about the other 156 schools within Tipperary? What about schools elsewhere? So there's a bigger national issue here. It can't just be because we got in the office last May that they'll only come down then and see the schools mm-hmm. that we're bringing up. Like, it has to be every single school. And, and that's, like, the problem. So, like, we were delighted to have her down. We're delighted to bring up the issues again. But, you know, look look at this stage, um, I just feel that the whole message has fallen on deaf ears. Is it? Absolutely. Like, since I was last on with you, the waiting lists have got worse. It's going one way. Like, the HSE was brought in front of the Dog Committee on Autism last week. They were a disaster. Uh, they basically admitted that there's 850 vacancies nationwide. Uh, if I'm to believe what I'm being told, um, and again, this is only anecdotal evidence, Clonmel apparently may be down to one speech and language therapist. Now, when you think that there could be over like, 1,300 people waiting, one speech and language therapist, it's a disgrace. Mm. So we're talking years down the road. Uh, well, we? the head of the HSE who was there on the day to the Dáil Committee admitted um, that... With the, the 850 vacancies, next year, um, about a couple of hundred, he said, would be the maximum that they could possibly recruit. So that's about 200. So you'll be sitting here in three to four years. They will not fill those vacancies because as they're filling them, there's probably more going out the door at the same time. So it's just an absolute farce. So like what I'll be saying clearly to this government is, right, you're not going to be able to solve the HSE problem. So stop asking parents to pay for these assessments. You pick up the tab full stop from this point on and that has to happen. So that's one of Cara's uh, key asks. And and this this is where parents would decide to go privately because they just can't wait. Is that it? So you you think... Okay, use the private services, but the government should pay. Absolutely, because the government yeah. accept this. I said this to the Minister for Finance himself. Like, like, do you disagree that this is your responsibility right. to pay for this? And what do they say? No is the answer. They accept right. this, but there's just no system here for it. So Cara, how frustrating is this for you? Because here you're bringing this all to the fore, you're bringing it to people's attention, but, you know, where are we getting? 
I suppose it's extremely frustrating, I suppose. When I went to the Taoiseach's office in July, we got an 80-minute meeting and he said he would do things about it. And I may have had doubts, but it seemed like there was a chance that they might actually do something about it. But no, they haven't done anything about it. So I I famously told the Taoiseach that I'll be back if he doesn't do something about it. So now I'm going to have to come back. I'm going to have to come back in a big way for them to actually do something about it. And it makes me very frustrated. Yes. And what do you think of politicians now? Because they're meeting you, they're shaking your hand, they're getting photographs taken with you. It's all cosy, it's all very fluffy, but they're not doing anything. It, again, it also makes me feel very frustrated because it's, it's like the politicians are like the parents of the HSE and like they're not parenting the child properly. And the the politicians also need to do more, like more about this and everybody needs to make a better effort like it's not just the hc well it is but like the politicians like need to like do things as well and the government as well mm, like it yeah. makes me feel very mad to be honest and my dad feels mad too so. yeah I, I mean i know mark i anytime we talk i can visually see the frustration and the annoyance oh, yeah, absolutely you, you know? but but friend like this this is actually cara's campaign like she's going to call it cara's mount everest maths challenge she can tell you about that in a minute but ultimately though it's it's we, we were going to Put initially on 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 her on her uh, jersey, which would be sold nationwide, um, to end autism discrimination. But actually, mm. no. Cara said, "Daddy, hold on. This this is disability discrimination. That it's all over the country. There's almost one million people sitting on waiting lists in this country. Like, I'm sorry, but health is a disgrace in this country. Um, it touches every single family, whether it's through carers, whether it's through just you know uh, shoulder operations, eye operation, whatever it is. The whole country is sitting on waiting lists. So." So, look, I, I don't have any doubt this is going to be on the ballot in the next election. I don't have a doubt in the world because, uh, as I said to you the last time I was on, health is wealth. Mm. And this country is just being left to rot and waiting lists. And if you saw the the performance of the HSE, it's like they're talking about Lego characters or something. It's like there seems to be no acceptance that these are real people suffering pain, that they're causing permanent damage to not just children, but citizens of this country. It's like to see these people is is just it's just a sight to see there's no empathy there whatsoever it's it, it's like cartoon characters if if it were, i mean you told us about the notion of that if you get uh, private um, if you looked after privately that the state should pick up the tab if it was in your hands to do stuff now as well as that what else should be done straight away what can be done straight away could be immediate oversight of the hse i brought this up the last time no politician wants to touch this even to see the politicians last week asking the hse questions they don't even know how the hse functions how we've got to this point, you, you just have to scratch your head. But at the end of the day, as I said to you, Fran, you're accountable on so many levels uh, external to this radio station um, that you could be, be basically shut down in the absolutely. morning. You, you know, yeah. uh, but, you, but yet the HC is accountable to absolutely no person in this country except for their own board. That's wrong. It, it, it has to change. But let me but, take you back to something you said to me. Are you serious about that, that the politicians have no idea how the structure of the HSE works? They were actually asking them questions. Could just explain to us what happens when a child comes in the door? So they fill out the form. What happens next? So they're actually asking them the basic questions as to how the ABC works for a family. And you're there thinking... Like, wow, how are we at this point? How do you not know this? But to be fair to even local politicians, it's only in the last two months that they're actually asking questions about what's going on here locally inside in Clamel. How many do we have in the building? 
what service, how many people are on the waiting list. That information is only coming out into the public domain in the last two months. So I suppose all the, and again, thanks to Tip FM for, for raising these issues because it's certainly starting to, uh, we're, we're actually getting information now, which is very, very important. Why did you know? it take so long? I mean, is it that by the nature of caring that, you know, you're so busy, that parents are so busy that they, they can't get involved in this? It's as simple as this. The government doesn't treat it like, it's, as Cara keeps saying, house on fire. They treat yeah. it like this is just like a parking ticket outside in the road or something like that. There's no urgency, and that hasn't changed. Tell me about the Mount Everest uh, challenge. The Mount Everest maths challenge. Mm. So basically, I'm going to be sitting there leaving sort of maths exam this year for charity again, and I'm going to call it the I'm going to call it Cara's Mount Everest maths challenge because not going to lie, but the junior sir um last year it was hard enough, but. It was easy enough, though, but this year it's really, really hard. It's basically um, almost impossible, and I'm studying really, really hard for it right now. I'm studying, like, up to two hours of maths a day already, and we have almost a third of the book done already, and it's really, really tough. And so that's why I call it Cara's Mount Everest of Maths Challenge, because... Um, like they say that climbing Mount Everest is like almost impossible and so is this so I'm going to work very hard to make sure that this is possible and that this does happen and who's helping you with this my daddy helps me he does teaches he? me yeah. every day when I get home from school he'll spend an hour or two with me teaching me the maths but sometimes I do exercise by myself but most of the time my daddy right. helps me and are you putting it all to shame do you do all this algebra stuff and all this that I could never figure out and yeah, yeah, we've started algebra. We're almost done the first algebra chapter, aren't we? We've about 30, 40 pages of the chapter done already. We have most of it done, and it's really tough. Right. Like, there's loads of really hard equations in it, and don't worry, Fran, I don't have any sums for you today, please so... Don't. No, please I don't. don't. Please don't give I me don't, a sum. No, I don't have one today. You're, you're in luck. You're in luck. Oh, thanks be to God for that, I can tell you. Speaking of frustration, how do you feel about the fact that you won't get a result until... Is it the 23rd of November or something yeah. like that? It's very frustrating when you think of like last year that it was like back in October and that like before COVID it was like in the middle of September. It's just, it's going one way, Fran, that things are going to get worse and worse and if they don't do anything about this, it's going to be December and it's just going to keep getting worse if they don't do anything about this. needs to be treated like an emergency. It's an absolute, and it's just a disaster. It's a total disaster. Like, Like when we get the results, it's going to be almost six months since we sat that exam. So it's like sitting a test in school and getting your result six months later. That's it's inc- crazy. Incredible. And we were talking to some people about it, Cara, and it seems as if it's disrespectful of the people that did the junior cert as well. Would you agree? You know, it's Yeah, it's because like, people work really hard. Yeah? And then there's people like who might want to like leave school or like that they have to or they're studying for their leaving cert now. But to do that you have to sit your junior cert. So like people like who might want to like leave school, they have to sit their junior cert and they don't have that. So there's a big problem there and there's many other issues and it just it's very frustrating that like the results will be out for like another whole I know, month. I know, isn't Yesterday it a month, like, that's crazy. You have a poem? A poem, yeah, okay. I do. Will you do the poem for me? Of course I'll do the poem. So, Fran, 
I recently heard you interviewing the Tanisha Leo Radcar on radio. You put up an amazing fight. So it did get me thinking who would win a boxing match between the Tanisha and you. <laughs> so I've come up with a poem that has my prediction of that fight. In an eight round exhibition fight, this is what would happen. If the Tanisha can't wait, then Fran will end the fight in eight. If Leo wants to go to heaven, Fran will end it in seven. If the Tarnisher gets him in a fix, Fran will end it in six. If Leo doesn't stop talking jive, Fran will end it in five. If the Tarnisher wants some more, Fran will end it in four. If Leo wants it for free, Fran will end it in three. And if that won't do, then Fran will end it in two. And if the Tarnisher tries to run, then the greatest broadcaster of all time will end it in one. I can't wait to get Leo in the ring, I can mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah. We sort of told you a little fib, a little lie. Whoops. About what? Well, you see, we did want you to come in here and talk about meeting Minister Josepha Madigan, and we did want to get an update on where things are with autism and all of that, but... One of the main reasons we asked you in was that tomorrow night we will host the very first annual Tip FM Business Awards. And there are many categories involved in that. But one of the most important categories is Local Hero. And by far, the largest number of votes were cast for a young lady that has been so instrumental in agitating for services for children with autism. And the great news is that the award for Local Hero will tomorrow night in the Anna Hotel in Thurles be presented to you. Oh my God. Fran. So many no, congratulations Fran. to are you. Are you serious? I'm absolutely no, serious. No, Fran, are you actually serious? I am completely oh my serious. God. And you Fran. ran away with the vote. Ran oh away my God. with it. By a long shot. Fran, can I have a hug? <laughs> you can have a hug. Come and give me a hug. <laughs> I'd be delighted oh to God. give you a hug. Oh, Thank you so much. So oh delighted for you. So delighted for you indeed. Oh Run back over. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? Oh, oh what a lovely God. reaction oh, to that. Oh, isn't my God. That Thank you so wow. much. I can't believe that. Good I actually Thank won you it. For... Are you okay? It's actually... A... I'm Are just you shocked. Right? I can't so will you come it. along to Thurlis tomorrow night and accept the award? Of in course front of I'll come to Thurlis tomorrow night. It's I'll great, always be able to come. Uh, well, we, we look forward to that. Mark, it's it's fantastic. And we're delighted okay, that so she gets much. this. Um, you know? Oh, look, look, listen. Thank uh, you, Fran. Don't know what you're to say. welcome, Thank you. um, But you're Fran, welcome. you're the real hero. Oh, I am, I'm sure. I you am, are I'm the sure. real yeah. hero. And the real hero are those 18,000 children um, who are left to rot on the, on the waiting list. And those one other million people, those one million people who are also on waiting list, they're the true heroes, Aren't the they real just? heroes, Aren't not they just? me. Well, I'll you're, you're the voice them, for them. You are the voice for them, you see, and that's that's what it I'll is. I'll try to help them, but they're the real heroes. Yeah. Never forget that. And Never. you, you're yeah. also the real hero. <laughs> Thank you indeed. <laughs> Mark, you must be so proud of her at this oh, point, sure because this, this has been a journey, hasn't it? It has, Fran, but I suppose, you know, absolutely, look, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled, thrilled for it. Thanks a million to Tip FM. Look, we are aware of this competition. Look, there's, there's probably hundreds and hundreds of people who could have been, uh, who are legitimate heroes as well, who do fantastic, and uh, everyone nominated for all the categories should be so, so proud. I suppose, like for Carrie, even the other day, the principal of Art Finnan uh, breed, uh, Quinn Livin, like, you know, told me that they're €20,000. 
you should tell me what the, what they're doing with it and all the therapists that are being brought in and how they're going to train the teachers. They're going to do so much, but Brilliant. like in Ardfinan, it's her legacy is just going to be that she actually did make a difference locally. But it is a scandal that, like, that the funding of two schools is basically uh, from a 12 year old. I know. You know, so there's a national issue here. So I, I like to think that her junior cert was local. But the leave insert one needs to be the change for everybody. That it needs to be money coming, government money coming in the door for everybody. Yes, not it, just it should be down. Not to, just two select yeah, schools that unfortunately we could only pick two. Why is it not every school? We don't have a billion euros, but the government has plenty of money for uh, other things, so they can cough up for disability across this country. Yes, and, that's and in fairness, happen. during COVID, Mark, I mean, we saw when. When there's a motivation there to do something, we, we can come up with the goods. I mean, we can do it. Yeah, know? look, it comes down to one thing, Fran. You just don't treat people inhumanely. That's the bottom line. It is not, and everyone agrees this, it's not a finance issue. Yes. I'm sorry, it just isn't. When someone is in pain and suffering, it's not a finance issue. Yeah, um, we're hearing a lot about housing and everything else, but is this the great scandal of our time, do you think? Is this? I think... Personally, it is. And yeah. the reason I think it is, is because people with disabilities are beaten down, that they don't have a voice, mm. they can't fight back. Mm. You know, it's... They can't protest, really. No, they don't they have time. No, you know? they don't. They don't. Um, it, it, it's maybe, yeah, like, but I mean, physically, they may not be in a good place. Like, I mean, in our case, our two boys cannot talk. So, like, they can never fight back, you know. So that's the kind of heartbreaking thing, like, about this. But... Yeah, there's, uh, they might have met their match with their sister, but that's another mm. story. Yeah. 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 But this fight needs to go to Leinster House. It needs to go in the media. It needs to go in the Leinster House. That's where it'll be won and lost. Oh, right. Unfortunately, you know, so. so we want to wish you the very best. I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night. And of course, the uh, Tip FM Awards brought to you in association with the local enterprise uh, office here in Tipperary who are doing such uh, tremendous Thank work. Thank you indeed. so much again, Frank. Oh, you're very welcome indeed. And I know that we're putting a video of you chatting to us today up on our social media platforms as well. So, Cara and Mark, always Thank a pleasure. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you, you both. Fran. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gurbin Walker Pat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Good morning, Fran. It says the young lady speaking gives us hope. The future is in safe hands. She's a very impressive young woman, that's uh, for sure. Uh, Barb was on to us to say, Fran, our government is busy giving away our neutrality and spending millions on a war. This response has nothing to do with refugees, but uh, the government doesn't care about Irish people. They just want to start looking for jobs in Europe, says Barb. We received an email following my chat with uh, John Harney and um, I, I think you'll find it very interesting. Dear Fran, it says I listened to your guest John speaking about fuel costs and the cost of living this morning 
I agree with what he said, and I'm so anxious and desperate. That cost of fuel seems to have climbed by nearly 10 cents in the last week alone, and not one person has mentioned it in the media in the last few days. Many places are now charging as much as €2.05 a litre. How could it possibly be so high when the price of a barrel sits at around $80? When a barrel costs upwards of $100 a barrel, the cost of fuel wasn't as high as it is now. Not only that, Fran, but what I can't get over is the cost of groceries, but I was really shocked by eggs in particular. I had to pay over €5 for a dozen eggs last week, when before that I would have paid about €3. How can these costs be justified? And for families who are looking for cheaper food options, the choices are now very limited. I'm sitting here this morning wondering how the hell are we going to get through winter and where will I find money for Christmas this year? I know other families are in the same boat, but it's causing me sleepless nights. What are we going to do? Says one of our listeners on email, and that email address is tipfm at, uh, well, I beg your pardon, it's tiptoday at tipfm.com. Financial advice with FOH Financial Limited. Tried, trusted, and experienced advice. See foh.ie. FOH Financial Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Francis O'Hanlon from FOH uh, with me in studio. Francis, good morning to Hi, you. Hi, friend. It's interesting when you get an email like that, isn't oh, it? I know. It's, it's an indication so... of how difficult it is out there for you so know, many people. You know, you can people. hear the anxiety yeah. in that, can't you? It's, mm. you know, and that's what people are facing into now. Mm. Um, some people are really, really anxious. And, you know, and I suppose... Look, you would say for some people they're working, but there's only so many hours in the week, days in the week that people can work. And sometimes they don't have the discretion to work extra hours um, to to kind of get more money or whatever it be. Um, But I, I kind of think of people, maybe that's somebody who's retired, I'm not quite sure. Like their options are very, very limited. Mm. Um, and just the anxiety that's coming across. Now, you know, again, I wonder why oil prices are so high or, you know, diesel or whatever it be at the pump because oil prices did Mm. come down substantially. Well, they're talking about the costs at the refineries and the lack of availability of refineries and this kind of thing as well. But I'm not sure how much of that is. No, and again, it's this vicious circle. Yeah. Fran, I, I... I'm not, I'm not sure about the case here, but I know the RAC in uh, the UK were saying that, you know, the garages were adding on a few bob as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know. And look, wouldn't you just hate to think that people are um, mm. profiteering? Yes. Um, let's let's hope that that's not the case. Look, everybody has to make a profit mm. and that's what business is about and they've staff to pay and they've their own costs to cover. But let's not hope that um, there's... So let's hope there's not people ripping yeah. people off or yeah. milking the situation. Um, that might be naive. The last, time, <laughs> the last time you were with me, uh, Francis, mm-hmm. we received an awful lot of uh, queries and stuff. You're going to try and run through a few yeah. of them, are you? The first one is, I'm a widower. I work mm-hmm. 36 hours per week. I pay tax, PRSI, on my wages. But do I have to do my own tax returns on my widower pension? So I would say short answer is no. Revenue are aware of your widow's pension because social welfare tell them, okay? Um, But if in doubt, go on to my revenue and you'll see that the income mentioned, it's mentioned as if for all the world you're um, social welfare or an employer. And you'll see it at the back of your tax-free allowance letter, 
possibly that you got yes. um, in January. Now, if it's, if this is somebody who was more recently widowed, it might be that it takes time to feed through. But normally, um, there's a glitch with the social welfare system in that it can't be taxed as source. Okay, so it just can't be done. They can't take tax out of social welfare. So it normally say in this instance where somebody has PAY income, the tax on the aggregate of the of the collective of the social of their PAY income and their widow's pension is taken from their PAY income. Right, okay. okay, so you're never going to see tax coming out of social welfare. Basically, right. they just don't have the capability of doing it. Okay, so as this person's PAY income, I just say if if you know just for your own peace of mind, if you want to have a look at your letter that you got maybe in January and see do you see your widow's pension mentioned on the back of that and you you should do if not go on to myrevenue.ie and you should see your um widow's pension noted right. on that and it'll your tax then is taken from your PAYE income it's very interesting all right mm. we've been talking about carers quite a bit Francis and a question in uh, why don't carers get stamps or credits while caring. So, firstly, to date, anyone who was caring for an adult or child at home uh, and either not working or earning less than €38 per week um, is entitled to apply for the home caring period. Okay, we've mentioned this before Mm. in respect of the state pension. Um, Under that scheme, that would give them up to 1,040 home caring period stamps, which is roughly 20 years max. Okay, Mm. Uh, now subject to certain rules um, over 16, under 66, you know, looking after a child under 12 or over 12 if they require increased care or an adult who needs increased care. However, their entitlement is under the total contributions approach, which we've mentioned before, mm. and that determined determines basically what they can get under the state pension. But just to say, this is all about to change. So I don't know if people recall the budget of just a yeah. few weeks ago, so much is after happening, but um, basically they're revising this under the state pension and basically they said enhanced state provision for long-term carers to be introduced from January 24. This will mean for the first time people who gave up work over a duration to look after a loved one who, um, you know, will have their time spent caring recognised in the pension system. At last. So the the detail is yet to come, the Mm. exact detail, but it would seem to me that before where maybe it was deemed a credit and you can only have a certain amount of credits in your lifetime, blah, 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 that they may be going to treat those, maybe not as credits anymore, but maybe as actual stamps, notional stamps to qualify. the detail will be interesting. Yeah, though, but it? I mean, yeah. there are it, people are entitled um, to a credit at the moment, but that's changing from January. Yes. Okay, and right and proper. But what what's a long duration? You see. You know, um, so I I well, if you're looking at the moment, they're kind of allowing it for potentially up to twenty years. Right. So I mean, some people are looking after, you know, children with special yeah. needs who grow into adults with special, special needs, needs or, you know, family members who are adults with special needs all their lives. So, you know, 
some credit has to be given for that and I think that's where this is coming from. Interesting. All right, another one, Francis. I'm buying back pension uh, via National Service. That is paying pension plus extra pension to buy back years so as to retire in my 60s. Mm-hmm. Will I have to pay extra PRSI on this extra payment? So I'm I'm just wondering, is that notional service? Um, it sounds to me maybe like it's somebody who's trying to buy who's maybe buying back service they might be a public servant or something like that and they're buying um, into a pension scheme for years where they maybe didn't pay into pension okay I, I'm not quite sure but the the question is will I have to pay extra PRSI or extra PRSI on this extra payment I'd like to say no but I suspect the answer may be yes. Okay, so let us let me explain what I'm saying here. Normally from up to 66, we'd pay PRSI or whatever it be if, if your income so dictates. But you'd say from 66 on that you've no PRSI to pay. Okay, that's how it works. Right. I don't know if that's going to be the case going forward. And call me cynical, but... Um, under the changes that they're they're shouting about for under the state pension and total contributions, mm-hmm. somebody has to pay the piper, right? They're saying that from the benefit of this is from age 66, you can build up more pension um, contributions so that you'd have more under the total contribution system if needs be. So the only way you can build up contributions is to pay stamp Mm. so if I was being very cynical and reading between the lines I would think that they're going to look at PRSI possibly from age 66 on. Now remember they're already talking about increasing PRSI. We're all I think we're going to be paying an average I think we said on 50,000 of an income 1250 extra per annum so there's your initial payment. I suspect there's going to be something introduced from 66 on. Who am I to and, say and that? When, I, when do you think we might see that? Uh, well, I think that, again, the devil is in the detail. Yeah. Okay, so I think um, that will... I think they're talking about January 24, the bigger changes in relation to um, the state pension. So I think you'll see those details come out in the next 12 months. Interesting. All right. Um, Another query for you, Francis. Um, Can somebody with Down syndrome get life insurance? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I would say why not, okay? Um, But with the same warnings that I give everyone who wants life cover, subject to ability to contract and underwriting, which means, you know, they will look at your specific health history, um, which may result in you you being accepted on standard terms or loaded or declined the same as anyone else. But capacity to contract is important here, okay? As it is with any citizen, okay? Capacity to contract means that you've the competency to enter into a valid contract legally. Okay, the uh, capacity to contract binds the parties of the contract with a promise to oblige by it. But only certain persons have the competency or the capacity to make a contract. So you'd have to be in the full of your health. Right. So somebody can't make that contract on behalf of you? 
no, um, you. I would say no. Now I checked this out with two of the main life cover providers mm. um, on a hypothetical on back of this question, and they said, funny enough, look. Obviously, it depends on health, but it also depends on the capacity to contract was their response. And it's a compliance issue rather than a medical issue. Obviously, the capacity to contract. It's really important that people know, understand what they're getting into, what they're signing for. Because if somebody, if you're taking out life cover, if somebody's taking it out on your behalf, you have to question why. You know, what's it about? What's their interest here? Um, so it's just important that people under, understand. But one of the ladies that's a very senior underwriter within one of those two companies I approached said to me, she has never seen it in 30 years. Wow. Okay. So um, other the other provider, provider wanted more specific details, um, but did say, again, it was back to capacity, uh, to contract and health history, the same as oh. anybody else. Now, I would say it might be worth checking with Down Syndrome Ireland. Ireland, well, basically. So, see. But be- are you saying to me that the person mm-hmm. involved would have to have a complete understanding of what they're yeah, getting absolutely. into? Is that it? Yeah, the ability okay. to enter into a contract. And who would adjudicate that, Francis? Well, I suppose, again, if somebody is filling out a proposal form, um, they're excuse me, their GP would probably, because normally with life companies, you know, they're going to the GP maybe for a medical report and the GP would probably be asked, is this person, you know, fit to contract, fit to enter into a contract? It's about protecting the person as well. But a, as a GP is asked for most of us, if we're absolute, getting... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Again, yeah. can I just be very clear? This is about everybody. Yes, this yes. is the, yeah. the same as anybody. Like, I mean, if somebody is under particular stress, um, if there was some issues going on, be it health or maybe mental health, then anybody, any person would be restricted in, in entering into a contract, whether it's right and proper for them to do so, that's... Right, but the lady in question, she hasn't seen it in 30 years. No, okay. <coughs> one of those underwriters was interesting said she has never said, seen it, so listen, there's always people, you know, look at your younger uh, participant earlier, there's always people that, you know, break, break the, the ceiling mold. and yes. break the mould or whatever it be, so um, I would say possibly, uh, why not? Interesting question. And though. I would think but might be worth checking with Down Syndrome Ireland as well, because obviously they have vast experience across um, this area. Another one for you, Francis. I've, we're working you very hard today, I can tell you. <laughs> I, I hope you're being paid by Tip FM per <laughs> question. <laughs> we won't get into that fun. <laughs> I have a state works pension from the military, a 32-year mm. pension. However, when I hit 65, I will lose 11 years and my works become then... Uh, Okay, a 21-year pension at that point, is that legal? You're going to have to explain this to us, Francis, okay, first so, of all. Okay, so, like, whilst this is uh, obviously a specific um, Department of Defence or military pension question, mm. this is quite common with public servants where they may, um, based on their PRSI class, they may be entitled to the full state pension at the age of now 66, mm. Okay. So if they're leaving, say they're retiring early, say they're going 60, 61 or whatever it be, or in this case, some of the the Department of Defence went an awful lot younger than that. 
they may, if they, if they don't have other income, they may be entitled to a supplementary pension from the state, basically up to the point where they get the full state pension. Okay. So supplementing them for the years, because the, the perception is that their income is down, okay, and they haven't enough to live on, they would be supplemented from, say, the age of 60 or whatever it is, until they're due to get the full the right. state pension at and, 66. But supplemented up to the, what the state pension is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, again, it depends. Yes. Um, so the normally there's a specific formula, but again, you know, I, I've said this a hundred times, the area that is bog, that is pension, is double bog when it comes to, to public services yes. and, and uh, you know, such pens, pensions. So... It really depends. It's on case by case. It depends on what they were entitled to. It depends on what their earnings were. They get a certain supplement. So that was actually documented. I actually did a bit of research on this and I saw that um, Minister Coveney was speaking about this earlier this year. It's actually on um, the Oireachtas Debates website, if anybody is interested enough if you can't sleep at night yeah absolutely you good good place to go um where this actual topic was raised and there was a very full explanation um as to what the person was entitled to so basically like some people mightn't have had 21 they base it on kind of a 21 year service but if somebody didn't have 21 years that's another right. matter but you know i think the person said is this legal Yes, it is, because it's based on a pre-2004 contract, okay, from what I can see. And basically, it's a supplement to the the state pension age. And after you receive the state pension, so then they'd have the lesser Department of Defence pension and they'd have the state pension, so they're deemed to be okay. Uh, Does rank come into it, Francis? Yeah, it would, because I suppose rank would dictate salary. So all of those, that's again what I was saying, it really, really depends. So um, I I would say um, it's very, very specific, Mm. but is it legal? Yes, it's it's well documented. Uh, I have actually seen it before. but sometimes it might be that when they get to state pension age that that's worth an awful lot more than what the supplement was as well. So, you know, but mm. yeah, it certainly is. It's it's built into your pension. I'm not going to get into it any more than that, only to say that they could look at... Um, I have the, the web link there. If, if that person wanted to ring in, it might be helpful to them yes. that they could maybe read it and that it would answer it more fully for them. Okay. Uh, next one is sort of a combination of two questions. Mm. Most people don't know you could be refused a pension at 66. Mm-hmm. My wife is 66. She was refused her pension as I am still working. She stopped working when the family came along, so she has not got uh, the stamps. Is she entitled to anything? Thank you, says one of our listeners. So, yeah, I think this was actually maybe two and one here, but mm. um, it's the same theme anyway. So back to the total contributions approach again in relation to the state pension. It all comes back to that. Um, And going forward from January 24 is going to be all about total contributions. Um, So what I would say is since, remember, since the 1st of September 2012, she's being assessed under the total contributions approach. Though she should have some stamp from being at home with your children 
Um, you know, did she look at the, the home caring period scheme and the homemaker scheme? Did she have previous work? So there where she would possibly have received credits, okay? Now, don't... Some people say, oh, yeah, but then child benefit and I'll have to... If you were in receipt of child benefit, they know that. So they can apply those stamps. They know right. where, when you were looking after a child, they can take those credits. But, you know, I was actually only looking at somebody lately who was querying their stamps back in 1981. They were saying, no, I definitely, I was definitely working then. You know, they may have been working, but whether their employer was registering for them for a stamp is another matter. So these were all these things kind of come out. So I would say to that individual, it might be worth going to the department and getting a breakdown of your wife's credits and, and contributions. What do they base their decision on? And from there go. Okay. Um... Again, it's a minefield. Like I, I would say, to be fair to the department, they're quite helpful um, when you kind of engage with them. Mm. But maybe as a start, get details of what stamp she maybe you know that she has to date. Um, like I, I don't know. Like at sixty six, I can't see that. I, I actually had a case lately where I said to somebody, you know what, you probably need to work. For they were thinking of going at maybe 63 and I was saying to build up your stamp you probably need to work for another two years yeah. but sometimes then you have to say okay five or a week maybe extra in the state pension versus two years of, two years yeah. you have to kind of weigh it up yeah. and but yeah. it, look it's complicated and, and I'm not going to say yeah, otherwise. As, as I get older, I, I would come down on the side of the two years are more important, but, but there yeah, you go. Yeah, and you kind of say that because, look, people mm. might have income from other sources as well, but mm. it's it's very frustrating, I suppose, for people. But there might be, maybe this person would be entitled to, you know, an amount via the adult dependent allowance, maybe on her Yes. Um, spouse's pension eventually, who knows? Again, very individual. You fact. mentioned uh, the budget in passing. I suppose all the detail yeah. of the budget we will see finally mm. in the finance bill. That's next week at some stage. No, the finance it? bill was actually last oh, week. Or was it last week? Yeah. Okay. Um, so so tell, tell us then what we learned from yeah, that. Francis, look, Fran, I'm not going to bore you um, with all of the details of it because I've, I've yet to maybe fully bore myself with it. But, you know, one of the things that was jumping at me, the majority of it was covered off by the budget, but one of the things um, that was jumping at me was about they're now saying that this 500 euros credit that they were going to give people that were renting, Mm. um, that will actually be available to parents who are paying student accommodation fees as well, which is great. But it's saying in certain circumstances. <laughs> so I'm now thinking, what are the circumstances? And I couldn't find those circumstances yet. But yeah. again, I think those, those matters will be fleshed out. Um, interesting, I, I and I couldn't see anything on this, but, you know, there's a big change in BIK coming down the line um, from January in relation to people who have company cars yes, with emissions and whatever it be. Um, and I heard... Many drums saying, listen, don't do this in January 
people aren't positioned to do this. You know, workers could get very, um, you know, it might be that their car is part of their package and it might be that they'd be very penalised and end up paying a lot more into BIK. But I don't see anything where they've done a U-turn. Okay, so I think maybe something to look at. Right, uh, we're just about out of time, but can we have a quick mention of the new uh, mortgage rules, uh, Francis, yeah. if you would, because it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but I suppose, again, there was a lot of kind of uproar about this the other day, and I was yeah. trying to think, and I actually had a chat even with some of my fellow advisors um, uh, within our own practice saying, you know, is this going to make a difference? Yeah. Because... Okay, you've got four times salary now for first-time buyers. Um, But, you know, other banks are entitled to lay down their own rules. And there's one particular bank, which we mentioned a couple of months ago, as they're contracting, basically, and what they're going to give people. This one particular bank reduced their max to two and a half times salary. And they said, we're not lending to anybody who's earning less than 50,000 as an individual or 100,000 as a couple. So... The banks can still dictate their own rules. This is just the maximums. The central bank are saying you can now give four times to a first-time buyer, but interest rates are going up. So that reduces what people can borrow anyway because it's stressed. um, So this isn't going to make... I don't think so, but I do think, like, I mean, at the end of the day, what are the important factors when it comes to qualifying for a mortgage? Obviously, the salary multiple is one thing. Net disposable income is really important. That's the Mm. amount of money that you've left. And some banks will say, no, sorry, um, they're short on what they call NDI. We're not willing to lend to them on that basis. But repayment capacity is absolutely huge. The amount of people that are getting caught, no matter how many times they're being told, you have to show that you have repayment capacity for what you want to borrow. And it should be long established. Okay, I'm saying six months. You should. That's really, really important. But but rent payment, even if it's for years, is not considered. Yeah, it is. It is allowed, Fran, and it it? is included. Yes, as long as it's showing coming from your bank account and that it's official. Like if and I would let's let's not get into this water. But you know, somebody saying, "Well, um, he wants cash. She wants cash." Sorry, that's to your detriment. And I suppose. That's the problem here. People Right, but if it's paid out of your account, it is considered. Absolutely, of course oh, it's allowable as, as repayment capacity because it's showing that you're paying rent to six hundred euros a month. So let's say that you're saving another six hundred euros a month, then on top of that, right. then all of a sudden your repayment 12, ability 12, is twelve hundred. Is there any danger though that um that this make make things even worse in terms of because the supply of houses out there is is still limited. Yeah, you know? it's interesting though. I've been I've been looking um quite sad. I was looking at Daft and looking at Tipperary and, you know, what's available. Um, I, there's an increase in the supply in the Is last there? number of weeks. Yeah. Interesting. New houses be, or? No. 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 Okay. Uh, I, I second-hand houses and it's interesting to see all of a sudden I'm thinking why is that is it that people think oh we're near the top of the market let's get this out is there is it landlords getting out though could be yeah. it's a bit of everything Fran yeah. I would say and I mean there's certainly nothing there that would probably encourage yeah. landlords to stay in um, but yeah I, I mean again people like it's back to the age old thing you know, and it's like even there, you know, there was the ESRI report where people were grabbing onto the headline saying, oh, property 7% overpriced. That's not what they've said yes. in full. So do you need a house? This is a really important thing. So when it comes to need, you know, should you buy a house? Is this time to buy? Do you need a house? 
And if you say, yes, you do, can you afford it? Have you got the deposit? Can you afford to pay per month? It's not just about the repayment. It's about the life cover, the home insurance. It's about the boiler blowing up and that you have to replace it. And there's no landlord to call. Right, they're all the important. We all know, you know, the cost of housing is expensive, but think about the rent you're going to lose. You know, say you pay rent for the next two years. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not doing this to torment somebody who wants to buy Mm. and can't. This is about the person that's maybe saying, oh, I don't know, will I buy? And what if, what if this happens and that happens? Can you afford it? Think about the rent that you'll pay that could be off your mortgage. Right. They're the things to factor in. All right. And just very quickly, the 31st of October, where pensions are concerned? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. For the, anyone that's making an AVC contribution or who's not through the online system, 31st of October, which is a bank holiday this day week, right? right. So you need to have this done by Friday. Okay. 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 A sobering thought. Uh, Francis, great to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. That's Francis O'Hanlon there of FOH Finance in Clonmel. It's 10.35. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Day 0672411 or slatterysgarage.ie. All right, Pat was on to us uh, from Rosgrave. He says, listening to that young lady, uh, it should be a rallying call to everybody to stand up and say, enough is enough. There seems to be no shortage of money for horse racing Ireland and the greyhound industry with local politicians applauding the granting of that. Do children not matter anymore? Roll on the next election, says Pat in Rosgrave. Uh, congratulations to our daughter, Audrey Smith from Killinall, John Lahey from Mulnahone and Noel Ryan from Kilsheelan. They completed the full Ironman in Portugal last uh, Saturday week and uh, this comes in from Esther Smith and it involved a swim of 3.8 kilometres, a cycle of 180 kilometres, a run of 42 kilometres all in one day. Can you be so well, well done indeed to everybody involved in that. Um, thank you to the to the listeners who sent in questions for Frances. We'll package them all together. She'll have a look at them, find out the details, and she'll bring it to us next time round. Now, a fleet of jet engines will be bought to add power to the country's creaking electricity supply of outages. Lou, and we were talking about this last week. They will account for 350 million worth of emergency generation capacity the government is ordering to get the country through the difficult winter ahead. Now, the mobile turbines are the kind deployed to countries in the wake of natural disasters and wars where power plants are destroyed. Well, Paddy has a huge problem with this and he joins me now. Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fen. Why don't you go with this idea, Paddy? I think it's ridiculous because uh, there's no guarantee. That, uh, like 350 million is an awful lot of money to pay out for, for these uh, 24 uh, jet engines. Mm. And, and he's not even sure they work you know, and what about the noise factor and the fuel consumption? That's it. You know, did did you see? I didn't see where they would be kept and where they would be stored. No, he has where... nowhere. Like there have to be a, a noise factor. Like that. surely, if you have uh, twenty-four jet engines roaring, they're keeping turbines going. 
I mean, it's, it's pure ridiculous. Right. When we have two, we have Shannon Bridge and Lanesborough, two stations ready to go. Mm. A, a few, a, a, a small percentage of that money would, would, would fire them up. And and one of the stations there, they have enough uh, peace to work it for 12 months without go, doing anything else. And surely they should just should get these and fire them up for a few years, at least until they get a, a, some proper. Yeah, and if if it was the case that we'd have to use these jet engines, there'd be a fair old carbon footprint on that as well, wouldn't there? Well, surely they got. Should they have to? Should I mean, God only knows how much. Uh, yeah. Has he any idea what it costs to run them? Like a well, fuel probably them? aviation fuel, which would be hugely uh, expensive as well. Yeah, it's. Yeah. A, uh, I, it's I, I, it, like it's an awful lot of money. What fail. is the story, though, Paddy? Uh, this was the case because they failed to buy in enough generators or something, or they won't get the generators in time. Is that is that what happened, if memory serves me correct? Uh, uh, no, they, they have two two power stations in Shannon Bridge and Lanesborough, yeah. and they're ready to go. You know, they cost uh, a very small amount of money to get them to mm. get them working. But you see, from, the, from a green point of view and climate change point of view, they won't they won't go with that. But you re, is reversing. Like, what about the noise and the and the fumes out of these twenty four mm. jet engines? Like, yeah. surely it's going to it, it's going to it's not going to make <laughs> any difference between working the two the two the two. Uh, one in Shannon Bridge and Lanesborough, the two factories, aren't they? Yeah. Well, they would probably say to you that, you know, the jet engines are just there in case of emergency and they may not be needed. Oh, they'll be needed. <laughs> like, they're going to be blackouts this year. Do you, and, do you really and, believe that, Paddy? Oh, yeah, 100%. And uh, even these two, 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 two big generator stations down in Turbot, in Shannon Bridge and, and Lanesborough, mm. surely they got it. They could work them for three years until they get a, a proper system like to take over from you know. Yeah, but they tell you we don't have that much time. You see, we can't. Yeah, but you, we you won't meet our targets then. Yeah, you could. I, I'm not. Look at this. Whatever about targets, we need we need current in this country. We don't need to be going around in in, in, in the dust, you mm. know. And, yeah. and uh, look at what's look at what's going to cost the country with industry and no current to work. Machinery and all that. And, and you, gonna... you, you honestly believe we will see blackouts? Oh, yeah. No, certainly. Sure, I mean, he, talked, oh, oh, he's after paying out uh, 350 million. I mean, that, that, no wonder all these fee bills are gone to the, the clouds. You know? And what, what are you saying that it, we wouldn't have made that speculation unless that they were pretty sure there was going to be? Exactly. But it's ridiculous like, that he, uh, again, that, he, that he's leaving the two. The two uh, Generate stations in in Shannon and Lensborough, leaving them idle. Oh. They're ready to go. One of them, in fact, all the all the equipment is there, and he connect up the wires and fire it up, and he could work at biomass stuff in it if he want. You know. All right, Paddy. Well, you make good points, and thank you very much indeed for coming on with us uh, today. That's Paddy with his thoughts on those jet engines uh, bought to add power to our creaking electricity supply of outages uh, happen this uh, winter. 1800-938-007. We'll take a break. Sports is on the way. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.i Join the conversation in Tipperary. 
Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back. It's time now for our sports review with our own sports editor, Paul Carroll, in studio with us uh, today. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, good, good to see you. Good to see you too. Senior Hurling County Final, a rather memorable one to say the very least. Yeah, gee, a great game in, in Semple Stadium yesterday and uh, mentioned it on commentary. One of the best parts of it was the weather. Like The weather was just so nice yesterday yeah. compared to the week before in the football when we were washed out of it blowing in Thurles but yeah really good uh, weather and, and two really great games the um, Premier Intermediate was on before it but we'll start with the senior I suppose as you said a, a memorable game Kieran McDonough's 218 Kiladangan 121 so uh, a draw game it finished up and uh, in in injury time it looked like Brian Malachny for Kiladangan had scored the free to win it um, he won the county final for Kiladangan in 2020 with a, a goal in extra time and it looked like he was going to get the win and score again but uh, it was Seamus Hennessy who got possession of the ball who's been campaigning with Kieran McDonough's for years and he got the ball and won a free just outside the 45 and it's a free that you'd expect your, your free taker to score 99% of the time but it's a, a different uh, different stats, I'd imagine, when the county final is on the line and you're course, deep yeah. into injury time. So the minute the ref blew the whistle for the free, I had a look at Willie Cleary and he was walking over to it. He looked calm, like, but he couldn't have been, like, you know, because it was such a, a pressurised situation. Yeah. Like, But in fairness to him, he, as he did all day, he slotted it over the bar and that was a draw game. So it's going to be going to going to a replay uh, next Sunday friend yeah people are questioning though why there wouldn't be extra time you know, yeah get, um, it, get it done and dusted yeah I, I suppose like I'd be always in favour of extra time and mm. I, I mentioned yesterday that like I, I hate when you're at a match and it's a great finish to a game and it's a draw and then it's like a real deflation yeah, deflation yeah. when it's like right we have to come back again but um, uh, yeah I, I'm not too sure why there was no um, extra time but I suppose they have a weekend to spare so the Munster quarterfinalists for another two weeks so they have next weekend so um, yeah I'm I'm not complaining anyway getting to see that game again Um, yeah just some really big performances all over the field yesterday Jerry Cahill scored two goals from play he was unreal Paul Flynn for Kiladangan won four Uh, Niall O'Mara for Killer One had had two big points late on in the game and uh, Alan Flynn had a great game as well for for Kiladangan so just really good performances all over the field and it was just a great game and a a great advertisement for for Tip Hurling I suppose and uh, yeah I can't wait for to see it all again next weekend Um, yeah yesterday as well friend we had the uh, Premier Intermediate Hurling final that was also another uh, exciting affair Uh, Ross Gray defeated Garton Hoogland Gould final score 117 to 16 points it was a Connor Dooley goal in the first half that was the difference but I suppose it was the goalkeeper for Ross Gray Daryl Ryan who probably ultimately decided the match he made uh, two saves in the second half one was from uh, Dara Maher and the other from Keane Hayes so some of Garton Hoog's top players and uh, that probably saved Ross Gray from losing again they probably should have won by more it was a four point difference for a finish but um, the Dara Maher save in particular from or the Daryl Ryan save from the Dara Maher shot he was inside the 14, drilled it low and hard into the corner and Daryl Ryan somehow got a, got a hurley to it to turn it around the corner. Um, just brilliant performances in the half-back line for Ross Gray. Uh, Dara Tynan, Darren O'Connor and Michael Campion were all exceptional really. Um, and it was a big win for Ross Gray. They were relegated last year and they've bounced straight back up um, into the senior ranks. But they have a Munster quarter final now in, uh, I'm not sure if I have the date written, in two weeks' time. Mm. Um, they're playing Bally Saggart of Waterford and that will be in a tip venue. And uh, talking to Liam England, the Ross Gray manager yesterday, they definitely have aspirations to, Mighty, to go yeah. on further in this Shane, tournament. Shane Lee put up a video of the homecoming last night. Just yeah, and I think his, his son Kenny 
Kenny Lee, he came on anyway. Kenny Lee Did came he on. And I'm not oh, sure if he is, is related, play, yeah. but he uh, yeah. done well when he came on as well. And I saw the homecoming, yeah, in Ross yeah. Gray, so I'm sure Mighty. there's yeah. a few sore heads there, yeah. For, for sure, yeah. The immediate hurling semifinals then. Yeah. yeah, they were also on over the weekend. On Saturday, Laura had a had a dominant 327 to 1 6 win over Drummond Inch. And then uh, also on Saturday, Money Goal 214, Skihina Rinky 211. So it's going to be Money Goal versus Laura in this year's final. So two North teams again. Um, so that's going to be next weekend. It was kind of originally slated to just be a standalone fixture and it was probably going to be up in Nina, but I'm not sure where it's going to be now. They might do a double header with the senior final and maybe bring half a North Tipperary down to Thurles next Sunday, but uh, that's yet to be confirmed. Probably probably no by some stage this evening, I'd mm. imagine. Um, then what else we had, Fran, over the weekend? We had the uh, uh, jun- Upper Church Drum Band. have to give them a mention, the Junior A County Champions. They finished their year on a high. A great year for the club, so it was nice to see them end up with some silverware. They got to the County Senior Football Final and Senior Hurling Semi-Final. And now they're after winning the Junior A Hurling Championship. They beat Grange Mokler Bally Neal in the final 219 to 119 and uh, James Barry and Pat Short and a lot of people on that part of the, the Upper Church team have been campaigning with Upper Church for years so it's nice to see them uh, get the victory there over Grange Mokler but that's going to be the end of Upper Church's year it's going to be Grange Mokler who represent Tip because uh, it's Grange Mokler's first team it's Upper Church's second team so it'll be Grange Mokler going into they're actually playing Bally, Bally Giblin of Cork who um, Skihina Rinky played last year in yeah. the Munster Championship so that's going to be November the 5th then we had the Junior B semi-finals over the weekend. Solahead 222, Portro 214 and Thurlis Sarsfields 24 points, Laura 111. And so it's going to be Sarsfields versus uh, Solahead in the final. That's going to be a massive day for Solahead. That's their first team and it's their first Junior B final since uh, 2006. So I know Kevin Hanley is a very happy man <laughs> down sure, in, uh, in Solahead. And, uh, and yeah. the football then? Football over the weekend, Galtier yeah. Rovers. Uh, they beat, They won the under-19B semi-final. They beat Borlandwell at 10 points to 7. They're going to play Feathered now in that final. And the under-19A semi-final, Clamel Commercials beat Ballina 3-14 to 9 points there. Very good. What about Camogie then? Yeah, it was the, the big big day in the Senior Camogie Championship. The Senior Camogie Championship final was on Saturday. It was for a third year in a row, it was Drum and Inch against Clownty Ross Moore. And for a third year in a row, it was Drum who beat Clownty Ross Moore in the final. It's now Drum's fourth title in a row. They ended up winning 3 10 13 points. Clownty led for plenty of the match, I think. Uh, Drum just took the lead for the first time in the 57th or 58th minute um, as Drum do they're, they're just well-oiled machine at this stage they just know how to win these games but uh, three second half goals Neve Trassi Emer McGrann Michelle Woodlock that really turned the game in the favour for the reigning champions they now go into the Munster semi-final to play De La Salle of Watford that's on November the 5th and uh, so we wish them the best of luck there representing the county and also in Camogie over the weekend the Junior B Camogie final Mike Carkey Burris had a 114 to 5 point win over Portrow there what about ladies football, Paul? Yeah, we had uh, two Tipperary teams representing the county um, in the Munster Ladies Football Championships. First up in the senior semi-final, Feathered, after winning their first ever um, Tipperary Senior Football Ladies Football Championship uh, a couple of weekends ago, they t- took on Clareside Banner, but unfortunately Feathered were defeated in that semi-final. It finished up Feathered 5 points, Banner 2-9. But there was success for another Tipperary team, it was Mullen they were in the Munster Intermediate semi-final. They were in Waterford playing Aaron's own of Waterford and it was Mullinahone who won 3-7 to 1-7. So they're into a Munster final now and it's not uh, too unfamiliar territory for them. They went all the way to an All-Ireland Junior final last year. So they've been on a, 
a great journey the last couple of years and they prepare for another Munster final. We better make sure that uh, Johnny Luby credits them with that uh, victory. (laughs) They're always giving out that he ignores them, but there you are. In in, in soccer, Paul, uh, St. Michael's victorious. Yeah, St. Michael's had a big win in the uh, Munster League Champions Cup semi-final. So it's uh, they beat uh, Abbeyfield United 3-2 in that one. And then there are a couple of results from the Clamell Credit Union Premier League yesterday. It was V Rovers nil, Castletown 3, 2 Mile Burris 2, Wilderness Rovers 1 and Clamell Celtic 2, Peak Villa 3. What are we to look forward to? Uh, plenty to look forward to as mm. always, Fran. We've uh, the Killer One McDonough's and Killadang and we'll have to do it all over again next weekend. And as I was saying to you earlier, I'm not sure if it's going to be a double header in Simple Stadium or what way they're going to work it. So we'll, we'll know later on today, probably. So that's the senior final replay and then the intermediate final at Lur versus Moneygall. That too has to uh, take place next weekend. So we'll find out today when, uh, when and where that will be on. Mm. Also, the Junior A football final takes place on Friday at 8 o'clock in New Inn. That's Sean Tracy's versus Thurlis Sarsfield. So one of those teams will be an intermediate team next year. Uh, we have the under-19A hurling semi-final next Saturday. That's Rossgrave versus St. Mary's in the rag at 2pm. And the winners of that will play Holy Cross Bally Cahill in the under-19A hurling final this year. Uh, also have the under-19B hurling semi-final next Saturday at 2pm in Dundrum. That's Upper Church Drum Band versus Kappa White Gales. And the winners of that will play at Bursley in the final. Oh, that's a busy one, isn't it? Mm. Uh, what about rugby, Paul? Rugby, yeah. The AIL is back uh, next weekend. They had a week off this weekend. Uh, in Division 2A next Saturday, we've Nina. They're away to Ballymena. And Cashel are at home to Barnhall. They're both at half past two next Saturday. Also at half past two next Saturday, this is in Division 2C. Clonmel are up in Dublin to play Scarries. Um, that's on at half past two as well. Right, the GG's horse racing. Yeah, horse racing back in Clonmel on Thursday. So a seven race card starts in Powerstown Park at quarter to two. And I suppose we'll finish up with soccer uh, next weekend. Next Sunday in the Clonmel Credit Union Premier Division. St. Michael's versus Bancha Celtic. Peak Villa versus Wilderness Rovers. Clonmel Town versus Clonmel. Mel Celtic and two mob Burris versus uh, V Rovers, friend. All right, excellent stuff. We want to give people a taste of uh, that game yesterday because I know that uh, Davin put a, a lovely collage together. We'll have a listen to that now. Great to see you, Paul. Thanks, Thanks very friend. much indeed. This will be huge. It's over to Barr. It's the Leveland score from Nilo Mara, his first score of the game. Just when you need him, that's when the leaders stand up. And Nilo Mara has put that ball over the bar. It's a level game. 215 for Killer One, 118 for Killer Dine. So now Brian Malachny has the chance to put the team ahead, and that is over the bar. So the clock ticks 58 and a half minutes, and Killer Dangan are back into a one-point lead. And Niall O'Mara wins it. Niall O'Mara has surely been pulled back. Niall O'Mara wins a free. Leon says the referee. He has the advantage. Niall O'Mara shoots at the post again. And it's over the batter from Niall O'Mara. And the referee is not going to bring it back. Kevin Jordan plays on. And Niall O'Mara, what a score. He's got the last two points for Killer killer One Man. And Keane Darcy's turned his man. Keane Darcy going to put this ball over the bar and over the bar as it goes. There's the lead for Killer One McDonough's and straight away Barry Hogan goes quick with the puck. And it's over the bar from Decky McGrath. A loose hand pass there is punished and it's a level game once more. Central position from the 45. He makes no mistake his 10th point of the game. Now there's the lead for Killer Dagnan. The umpires like it, it's over the bar from Willie Cleary and it's a level game. 218 for Killer One McDonough's, 121 for Killadangan.
we have had a, a county final for the ages. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it's, you know, it's it's brilliant to be here to be able to talk about it with yourself and uh, with, with everybody listening to Tip FM. A county final for the ages. I love it. You must have been exhausted after that. I still am, Fran. I still God am. almighty. <laughs> but great commentary, Paul. Fair play to you. Thanks Cheers. very much indeed. Uh, news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Paul, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. 1800-938-007, our free phone number to speak to Emma. And you can text on WhatsApp 083-311-3311. I was at Thurless Shopping Centre last uh, Friday for a haircut and a cup of coffee, and I bumped into Peg Brett. And it was lovely, lovely to meet her. And Peg won't mind me telling you that she's kind of a roundy birthday recently. She's 90 and she is so sprightly and well and great fun and we had a great giggle and we got some photographs taken and uh, lovely ladies with Peg as well. But I just want to wish her well today and uh, say say thanks to her for cheering me up on Friday as well. Austin was on to us to say, Fran, I'd be a huge critic of the HSE but last week I had to go into Tipperary University Hospital. My mum was in for a short period of time. My God, Fran, the new extension is something else. Absolutely top quality. You can see where the money went. Staff were terrific and helpful. A special thanks to the ambulance man who went and got mum, who was 91, a coffee while they waited to offload her into the hospital. Such decency and often ignored, says Austin. So there's a good news story um, about the hospital in Clonmel. So well done to everybody involved there. And Austin, good to hear from you. And I wish your mum the very, very best as well. Now, we had a lovely surprise uh, this morning for one of our favourite guests, uh, young Cara Darmody. She was in studio along with her dad, Mark, to tell us about her most recent meeting with Minister Josepha Madigan. But we had a special surprise for her. And here's a little of what happened just after nine this morning. We sort of told you... A little fib. A little lie. Whoops. By what? Well, you see, we did want you to come in here and talk about meeting Minister Josepha Madigan, and we did want to get an update on where things are with autism and all of that. But one of the main reasons we asked you in was that tomorrow night we will host the very first annual Tip FM Business Awards. And there are many categories involved in that, but one of the most important categories is local hero. And by far, the largest number of votes were cast for a young lady that has been so instrumental in agitating for services for children with autism. And the great news is that the award for local hero will tomorrow night in the Anna Hotel in Thurles be presented to you. (gasps) Oh my God! Fran! (laughs) So many no, congratulations Fran. to are you. Are you serious? I'm absolutely no, serious. No, Fran, are you actually serious? I am completely oh my serious. God. And Fran. you ran away with the vote. Ran oh away with it. Oh, my God. 
by a long shot. Frank, can I have a hug? <laughs> you can have a hug. Come <laughs> and give me a hug. I'd be delighted oh to God. give you a hug. Oh, Thank you so much. Bear hug. So oh delighted for you. So delighted for you indeed. Oh Run back over. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? Oh, what a lovely oh, reaction Frank, to that. Oh isn't my God, that thank you so wow. much. I can't believe that really, I actually thank won you for, it. Are you okay? It's actually, I'm are just shocked. Right? I can't so will you come along to Thurlis tomorrow night and accept the award? Of in course front of I'll an come. Audience? Of course I'll come, she says. She's a pure dote and... Uh, and know Mark and her mum and uh, all of the family extremely proud of uh, the work she's doing for autism. Not just about her own family, not just about her own area, but uh, nationally uh, exposing the huge issues that are there for, um, particularly for children who are uh, on that autism journey. Now, May's Cafe in Clonmel closed its doors on Friday and our reporter Alison Highland went along to speak to Shane and Kay on what was a very emotional last day for them. May's Cafe on Marketplace in Clonmel closed its doors on Friday for the final time after first opening back in 2016. Shane and Kay McGonagall opened Mays in honour of their daughter, who was battling cancer at the time. Despite the pressures of opening a new business while caring for their daughter, Mays thrived for many years and also made its way through COVID. But Shane and Kay are now moving on to new ventures. And I sat down with them on what was their last day in business on Friday. I began by asking Shane how he was feeling. I've got mixed, mixed feelings now. Um, you know, we've been here for six years. We've met, met some fabulous people here in Clonmel and we've built up a really good reputation. And, uh, you know, it's sad that we're closing, but, you know, it's just another chapter in our lives and we're looking forward now to our new ventures. It's been a tough time, obviously, for a lot of businesses. I'm sure a lot of people might be asking, is that what ultimately did it for you? It definitely uh, contributed to the decision. Yeah. We decided we'd make a business decision and close and focus more on our outdoor catering and our farmers market and care. Uh, that's a, an industry that's really booming now, the farmers market. And what you're seeing is a lot of food producers who maybe ordinarily wouldn't have been able to get into the market at all or have a good foothold in there now. Is, is that what's attractive about that? Um, Cares Farmers Market is just a fabulous location, just on the with the castle in the background, the walks around the Inchfield and walks down to the Swiss Cottage. It's just a really, really beautiful setting for a market. And the market has grown... Um, over the years and we joined recently ourselves and you know we found it to be very very um, busy and you know it's, we're getting to meet an awful lot of our customers here from Mays and thankfully now it's been very good to us. Can I ask then as well I know you spoke to Fran before about how Mays was set up and I know that's a really emotional story as well but just to remind some of our listeners what led to you setting up Mays? Well our daughter was diagnosed with leukaemia Katie May so um, I, myself and Kay, and Kay were working um, we were very career orientated and we did, when they got sick it kind of put a lot of things into perspective and made family more important. Um, so we took over the restaurant and in order so Kay be able to stay at home and get May better and I'd be able to come home at nights um, and be able to help as well. But was it what you expected it to be or was it totally different? 
um, running the business here in Clamelv was, uh, you know, it, it, like every business, you have good times and bad times, and thankfully we've had some really good times. And uh, you know, we've, as I said, we've met some fabulous people here in Clonmel and mm -hmm. some great local suppliers, and we built up a really good, steady trade. And Kay, can I come to you then? A lot of the reason why Maze was so popular was because of the staff here. The staff, we've been so lucky, Alison, with our staff um, over the years, their dedication and loyalty to us and hard work. Um, you know, without them, we, we wouldn't, we would never have succeeded. Um, one thing a lot of people say when they come in here is that the smile they get and, you know, the, the good welcome and, and we know, you know, when customers come in, we don't, we get a nod or a finger just to say that we know that exactly what they, they're looking for. It could be a, a salad sandwich or it could be a large bottle of water or... But we know and we've built up such a lovely, um, you know, friendship with our customers. I have to say, Clonmel, the people are fabulous people and very supportive to us all the six years that we've been here. Um, and it is an emotional day, but over the last three to four weeks, we've got a chance to say goodbye to, you know, most of our customers. And, you know, we've honoured our vouchers also that, you know, and I think there's about three or four vouchers that are outstanding and we'd like to honour them at the Farmers Marketing Care. Um, but no, overall, we've had a wonderful six years here in Clamel. And, um, yeah, so we're going to, as Shane mentioned there, continue in the farmers market and hopefully we'll be able to build, build you know, a good business out of that. Um, but also, um, yes, Fran did open this restaurant here back in 2016. Um, I know Shane mentioned there about Katie May, our daughter. Um, she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukaemia. And, um, you know, it, it, it really it took its toll on us at the start. But, um, you know, it, it allowed us here. Taking over this restaurant at that time was the right thing to do. As Shane mentioned, you know, we were both working nights uh, as we were both qualified chefs. And it allowed us to finish early every day and be, be at home. Obviously, I was, you know, looking after Katie Mae for the first couple of months when she was extremely ill. But um, now the good news is that in January, please God, she will be ringing the bell in St. John's Ward in Dublin. And, yeah, so That's it's, amazing. yes, it's yeah, a, no, a it's fabulous a, it's story. fantastic. Like, and and she's, she's doing so, so well, you know, and she's the apple of our eye, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's definitely brought so much joy and happiness and to her life. And she's been through a lot. And been she's through 10, a lot. And, and she's 10 now, and she's... And she's, she's got great support from her two brothers as well over the years. And The odd bit of fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a, a student in, in um, New Inn Girls' School, yeah. and um, they're fabulous. It's a fabulous school. You How know. are they feeling then about today? Because I know, do you know, it's not just the two of you who yes. took on a business, it's the family yes. took on Well, the they, they see how hard mum and dad work, yeah. and I think anyone that's in business, they all know, you know, if you're if you're if you if you have your own business you have to you know put in the hours and the extra work but we're we, we made a business decision a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago and our lease was up here also so um, we're out of our lease a, a year and um, we, we just couldn't continue to sign another five-year lease or you know anything um, so no, we're we're ha very very happy with her decision. And you're a great example as well of how you know if maybe the market isn't right for a business that the business has to maybe evolve and change direction. That's exactly what you've done. I think it's yeah. a great example to other yeah. businesses. Yes, yeah. yes. 
Yeah, listen, the, all businesses have to evolve when the, uh, the current circumstances are change. And uh, thankfully, we we both uh, made a decision a couple of months ago, and you know we're we're very thankful to every uh, the people of Clonmel in general, and we've managed to meet uh, so many great people and characters. And characters, great characters. And, you know, yeah. over the last couple of weeks, we've been able to say thank you and goodbye and, and goodbye to yes. them all. And and, and yeah. that, how uh, much will you miss it? Oh, we will. We will. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely taking a week off anyway. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll take a bit of time off and uh, regroup. And you know, we're looking forward. We have a few new ventures um, in the in the pipeline, and for everyone to look out for us. Yeah, yes. the future's looking bright. Yeah, yes. hopefully, yes. Well, we want to wish uh, Shane and Kay the very, very best uh, because they're smashing people, a lovely family, and old Kay's mum, Catherine, uh, very well indeed. So uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from them again in the very near future. 1800-938-007. Councillor Jamie Morris was on to say that there was another uh, senior camogie game in Tipperary at the weekend. Silver Mines defeating Nina Erog uh, in a fiercely contested senior league final on Saturday and it was hugely enjoyable according to uh, Shamey. Um, okay, lots more in. Extra time, extra money, it says here in capital letters. So that's making reference to the game going to uh, a replay as opposed to extra time, I guess. Uh, Fran, a government wouldn't be known for having savvy uh, jet engines will leave a bigger carbon footprint. Yeah, well, I was making that point that there certainly would be a carbon footprint from using uh, jet engines uh, for sure. Um, all right, still getting in questions for Francis O'Hanlon, and as I say, we will package them together and uh, Francis will answer those for you next time she's around. We'll take a break. Back with more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Well, it's that time of year now when the leaves are turning and a nice walk will give you the satisfying crunch of leaves under your feet. But where are the places to take a nice colourful and autumnal stroll? Who better to know than our own John G. O'Dwyer, who joins me now. John, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Fran. Uh, Great to talk to you today, John. There might be some fair weather walkers, but uh, autumn can be one of the best seasons for walking, can it not? Oh, I think it's the time to stay low level, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. I mean, what we have is um, the, the, mostly the trees we planted ourselves are absolutely useless in the autumn because they are the uh, the, the, the trees, the, pine, the Sitka spruce and the Norwegian pine and that. But what we have here is what do the English planted. The English planters, when they came in around their houses, they left the great deciduous forests, and they're still all around the county. And, of course, they turn, the chlorophyll turns them a lovely uh, colour of uh, red and russet at the moment. And I was out yesterday now for a walk there in the East Galtys, and I went up to Scarra Wood. And, my God, the colours up there. That's a lovely car park, park, walking area from a car park that's just above care. It was fantastic. I have it up on Twitter, actually, the colours. 
Very good indeed. So, what about some recommendations then, low-level walks that we could uh, get ourselves out onto? Well, the Scala Wood is one, so that's just above care. Mm. It's, uh, so you can you can get onto it there. Well, from the, the it's just to the left off the Tipperary Road beyond the roundabout, and it's up there. It's absolutely fantastic. Then I was out for a walk as well as that recently, and I must commend, uh, you know, Tipperary County Council. They've done a great job because uh, Templemore Park, mm. that's ideal. And what they have done now is they've tarmacked it fully. And there's lovely colours there. But as well as that, it's, su- it's wheelchair friendly and it's suitable for people as well as that for a buggy walk. And it's about a half an hour to go around it. But, uh, you know, it's so good you'll almost do it twice. And of course, the two of us were out there and yeah. you remember, this that was bequeathed to us by the Cardin. So it's part of the old Cardin estate. Absolutely. Yeah. And if people haven't been there, John, it is just gorgeous, isn't it? It really is beautiful. Absolutely. And then I would say to people as well as that, you know, when you go for a walk, you're coming into Templemore, there's plenty of coffee shops and shops and everything else. Pop out, maybe have a cup of coffee. I think the two of us, the time we were up there, I have a funny feeling we popped into Templemore Arms, but I think we had something stronger than coffee. Uh, Just a little bit strong. And I bought the drink, John, I just want to say. Absolutely. Well, there you are. That's it. I think that's probably how the walk finished up that day then. That's for sure, but it was gorgeous. Where else, John? Gorgeous, absolutely, yes. Yeah, where where else should we go? Well, I think then if you're going over, you want, it's outside the county. Sorry about that. We're going into the land of the maroon and white. But I love Portumna Forest Park up there. Way up in the north of the county. You've got to cross the bridge. But again, there's a lovely... Uh, buggy walk there as well as that suitable again for you know for families but as well as that then there's some viewing points out over the lake it's all part of the Shannon Callows as well and you have longer walks as well as that and the kids will love it because if you do the longer walk you almost invariably see deer as well as that non- nonchalantly grazing there and of course Portumna is a lovely town in fact I would suggest going from the marina in Portumna then coming into the, the town and of course there's always saying Thank you to the good Galway people, leaving a few bar behind. I always believe that when you visit an area that has great beauty, leave a few bar behind, have a coffee, fill the car with petrol, do something like that. For those who started out walking maybe during the summer, of course, once you get into autumn and winter, it, it, it's a different ball game. What, what about what we should be wearing when we're going out on well, autumnal on walks? walks? Generally speaking, I think what I'd be talking about is just wearing trainers. They're by far the most comfortable when you're walking on a good surface. Mm. So that's what you should, you, you be wearing. You just have your jacket with you in a rucksack. But what I'm talking, of course, you're going up the high mountains. Well, then, you know, everything, it's, the, the weather is colder. It can be extremely cold on the summit because of the winds that are up there. Even there, I've just a couple of people in our own group were out and like you think the weather was reasonably benign there in the last couple of days, they were forced off the summits by the winds. So you need a fleece, you need your jacket, you need boots if you're going up the mountain as well as that and you need as well as that a waterproof pull-ups. But the important thing is before you do any of that, make sure you don't... Uh, end up as another mountain rescue statistic. So the main thing to do is to know that you're able to navigate, that you have a map and a compass, and as well as that, a GPS. And if all goes to all, you have a phone that's fully charged up as well as that with you. But at the moment, for the colours, of course, when you go into high mountains like Altimora, you go up into the Knockmill Down Mountains, well, there aren't any trees up there. You don't get the colours, but if you are going up there, prepare. 
And that's very good advice indeed. But basically you're saying concentrate on the lower level ones, John, for now. Well, I think if want the colours as yeah. well as that and there are some other places a lovely walk ideal as an introduction is to go up to Grange up there uh, on the, near Orlingford on the mm. Tipperary Kilkenny border just a little bit of a pull on it and that always gives you more of a buzz and go up to the Wellington Monument there mm. there's fantastic views from it again it's deciduous plantation and the reason these ancient forests survived is they're on sloping ground so it wasn't possible to actually really cut them and have you know plant corn or have cows there or whatever so it has survived you'll find the same thing then in the clear glens as well as that you get the beautiful colours there as well and of course the flowing waters and now of course the waters are coming into full spade so the waterfalls on the clear glens will be you know they will be in full spade and you know mix that with the beautiful colours it's fantastic and you know uh, and then I must go another place then I think that I really love is if you park down and park in the village of Clough and go up from there, walk up what they call out to Eamon Keating's car park, up the Soldiers Road, and it brings you up to Baylock. Remember, we were up there. I uh, do indeed. Absolutely and gorgeous. And you can walk down by the Tipperary Heritage Way and come back by another route. And it's fantastic. You park in the village then, and as well as that, then right opposite there, then there's you know a coffee shop. Lady Mary O'Keefe has invested in it. Mm. I would say pop in. Every walk, it's great anyway. I think when we go for a walk, we always do that because we need the kind of you know the get together the final ritual there pop in there or maybe pop into Brown's shop get a coffee there but again as always you're using their, you know I think Clohean is fantastic because you can do a very easy walk from there parking right in the village or you can easily do a loop high up onto the Knockmill Down mountains as well it's ideally I think set as a walking hub Well John happy walking to you and as always thanks for coming on with us today John thank you and good morning Great to you indeed. Bye bye, See you again, bye bye, bye bye. That's the great John G. O'Dwyer there, and uh, some uh, advice and some pointers there on where you might like to go for a stroll over the coming weeks. Let's go back to the phone lines now and uh, to Ned, who is from Ballinure. Ned, good morning to you. Morning, friend. Good morning, listeners. Good to talk to you today, Ned. You're making the point about defibrillators being very expensive, Ned. Very much so. Uh, in 2017, we fitted a, a defibrillator in the village in Ballinure, mounted on the wall in a heated box. And, uh, you know, every five years, then the battery has to be changed. Yes. Every two years, the pads, two pads have to be changed. In 2017, the pads were 98 euro for two pads. The battery was 149 day one. I got a renewal this morning, just to, uh, five years are up. Uh, the battery needs to be changed. There's no point in having a machine on the wall that, that doesn't work. So it's important that, it, that it's in working condition at all times. Got a quote this morning for two pads for 110 that were only 98 and the battery for 249, wow. which was only 149. And OK, these parts have to be replaced. But what really annoyed me this morning when I looked down, uh, a potential life-saving piece of equipment with €82.50 bet on it. Oh, my God. They're charging euro on defibrillator parts. Charging €82 for what I need. Charging bet. 
You know, so, I mean, that really riles me all together. Like, you know, I don't mind the parts that you bought, that's understandable. But, I mean, to charge me 82 euro. Now, there is a, a rumour out there, and it's only, only something I heard, uh, that, that they are uh, removing the vet from these the bits and pieces. But that, that shouldn't even be a discussion, Ned, you know? I know it shouldn't, Fran, but it, it, that's the way it is, like. Yeah. It's just the way it is, like. So, I mean, really, I'm, I wound up this morning here, and I don't have any choice. Yeah, you, like, you have I, to do this. I have to do it. I look at it. There is no point to, I put the thing up there. No, I didn't pay for the thing, like, and the community that owns the, the piece of equipment, but yeah. it's all about someone to do the thing, so I happen to be able to do it, and I'm in the position now that that battery has to be replaced. Right. Where Where is it in Ballinor, Ned? It's right on the cross, on the, on the, in the middle of the cross. Okay. <laughs> There's a wall as you're travelling towards Cashel from the yes. Ballinor, from the Killinall area. It's on a yellow box on the gable end of a, of a wall. On the side of the road, looking out, and uh, the, it's uh, hooked up to current as well. It has to have current in as well to maintain... Uh, it's charged, yeah. Eight degrees. Eight degrees. Yeah. No, nothing got to do with the charging of the unit, but... Oh, I see, yeah. ...warm for uh, condensation. Mm. And uh, now that, that particular box, like, is plugged into a gentleman's uh, electric... Uh, plug into a wall and it, you know, it's only seven or eight euro a year, but that man has allowed us to do that. Right, well, fair fair play to him. Yeah. Has it been used, Ned? Uh, no. Yeah. Thankfully, says you. Thankfully, Thankfully not. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. You know, people said it to me, like, you know, thanks be to God it didn't have to be used. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my idea about the whole thing day one was it's much better to have it and not want it. Mm wanted and not have it. Absolutely, because I'm often concerned and we've heard stories about it on this programme, Ned, that, you know, that some of the defibrillators are not kept up to speed and sometimes people uh, don't know where the key is or where the access is. Well, this particular one, this particular one, there's no key, it's a code and the code right. is either at one of the two emergency codes, uh, you're familiar with that. Yes. That, that's what it is and to there for anybody to open they should they need to the, the problem I have with it as well at the moment is not a problem so much as I can deal with it, but I, I need people retrained. They're retraining every three years mm. after refresh, right? And I'm stuck with a situation where I have approximately 10 people willing to have a go. And when I find out from the relevant training people, albeit whatever, 25 quid ahead. You're asking somebody to do something that's, like I said, potentially life-saving, and they want 25 quid to train you. I don't know. I, it's like, I'm, yeah, it's all nonsense, isn't it? Well, I tell you something for that. I don't know what hard it is, you know. I, I just beyond me. Yeah, these are volunteers who are prepared well, to take on this training. Like on, I have them. I have five or six that are there and they need to be renewed. Like, mm. And like I said, in the community, we, we early on in the time, we got a few quid like about five or six years ago from the people that put up these uh, wind chargers up on the hill, the, yes. the turbines, right? Yeah. We got a few quid like, but I mean, that, quid, that few quid is nearly gone now. It will be definitely gone once I renew here. Oh, my I, God. I'm learning this for the next five years, but I mean, we're in a community group. It isn't as if we're bulging with money in the bank or anything like that. Of course. Well, I'm delighted to know that you're also vigilant about what, as you say, is a life-saving piece of equipment, you know? If, I, if, I, if I'm not praising myself, but I take on something, I'll see it through. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair, fair play, Ned. Fair. Open the wall and leaving it there. Not, I know places where people don't even look. I check that defibrillator once a month. Yes, to make sure that it's, it's 
ready and if somebody needs it. Well, in fairness, Ned, our public representatives often bring Tipperary stories to the Doyle. Well, here's one that they need to bring to the Doyle. There shouldn't be VAT on defibrillators, for God's sake. Well, I get on to a, a particular individual, like, and I'm damn sure he'll, 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 he'll air his voice on it up there without any bother. All right, all right. Ned, really good to talk to you today. We wish you the best, Ned. Not a bad Thank friend. you. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye to you. That's Ned there in Ballinour talking about uh, VAT being paid on uh, um, on uh, defibrillators and indeed parts for defibrillators as well. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? All right, we'll uh, take a break and we'll be back with more. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on 1-800-938-007. One of our listeners telling Ned in Ballinur that the VAT was removed from defibrillators in the last budget. And this listener goes on to say, I would uh, question your supplier. I wonder if that's because um, the VAT might have been uh, removed from the defibrillators, but is it removed from the parts that service the defibrillator. I wonder, is that is that where the issue is? Uh, with the cost of electricity now to the forefront of people's concerns this winter and the threat of blackouts also looming large, one tip today, listeners, says that Electric Ireland is now an enemy of the state. Jimmy joins me. Jimmy, good morning to you. Morning, Frank. Good to, good to talk to you today. Very harsh words, Jimmy. Uh, an enemy of the people. Yeah. You think... Um I think around 1946, that uh, ESB, when you think of 1946, it was just 20, little over 20 years from uh, Irish independence, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in that 20 years, I mean, they've done wonderful stuff, including the, there's a massive thing, you know, putting in the, the new um, power uh, supply R- and all Rural that, electrification and all, those, and all of that, yeah. Yeah, and all that thing. And, I mean, it just changed Irish life forever, like, you know. And, of course, it happened across Europe as well. But what I think is, I know it's semi-state. I, I, as far as I know, them, the government have a certain a small stake in it. Mm. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And the semi-state. So I presume there's some government representatives on the board. That's usually the way, isn't it? It so, is. It is indeed. Yeah. And what's concerning you about it? Is it, is it the huge profit that they made? It, it, it's it's, it's the huge profit because I remember before, if DSB were rising their prices by 25 percent 3%, Everybody, they had to prove it and they had to show that the cost had gone up and it just couldn't be granted, you know? Yes. But now what they've said is, oh, we have to, because of the war in Ukraine, oil is more expensive than everything like that. And in in reality, the ESB have risen their prices, about, <coughs> I'd say about 150%. Mm. I mean, it it is actually, <coughs> excuse me, it is, it is wartime. It's nothing. People, it's going to wipe out small of certain types. Yeah, well, it, it, al- it already is, Jimmy. I mean, I know of yes. a number of cafes, for instance, that have just had to yes. close down because of this. And, yeah, and that, yeah. that's not good enough, Shame. Shame is sorry. <laughs> <Friend>. <laughs> You're harking back now, Jimmy. <laughs> I have. I got back in some years, you know, yeah. But, um, no, I, I, it's just not good enough. You you take a deli there, you know, and it's brilliant, it's great, and people are inside in it, and mm. a pub, you take a pub, well, pubs closing during the week and all that because they can't keep their coolers. You know, they can't keep the yes. light on and keep their cooler service. And 
you even take a good, big service station and uh, you go in there the place is nearly impossible because they have to save on the light. For God's sake, you know, mm. it's something, it's, it's, and it can be done. And what you do, rather than giving people that money, is you um, do the source. And I think that's um, been done in some countries. They sit down with ESG management. And now, it's like doing another. If you look and uh, look at their profits for the last five years, Ten yes. years, whatever. That's certainly not so many millions, you know. That's fine. But all of a sudden, in the last 12 months, their profits have soared. So that can only mean people are using the same amount of power, and maybe a bit less, actually, because people are still only coming out of, of COVID. In 21, we were all only kind of coming back out of COVID and business. Just when business begin to pick up again, you have this, so you have this huge... People were saying, people are saying, like, that are waiting for their ESB bill, they don't know what's going to come to the boat. Of course, no and, 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 and the, 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 just, just for listeners out there, the, the revenue, 3.7 billion, and that was up from 2.2 billion last year. So it's an incredible money, isn't it? It's incredible, but it only means one thing. It means, it does, it, they're saying, oh, we have to rise the price because of our costs. But yeah. our costs haven't gone up to anything like that. You know, it really... It is really an opportunity that they jumped on and said, "Right, we're going to we're going to make this we're going to make these millions and billions if it lasts long enough." So, are you saying there's profiteering going on? Absolutely, profiteering isn't strong enough a word for it. Yeah. No, and I'm not. I'm 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 um, not any kind of a, a leftist or <laughs> or, anything yeah. or, or anything like that. But it's it's simply not right. It it a, biz, a business soul. Because it can, it's not that it can't be a yes. bill. It just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if you well, go Jimmy, back even in, with the banks that you, when we had a stake in the banks, you heard from the government that they can't, um, e- even though there's people on the board and all of that, they can't interfere in commercial businesses. You know, so it's a different thing. It's it's never happened since the formation of the state. Mm. Something like this hasn't happened. It is actually it's a bit like in 2020 with them. Um, with COVID, it never happened before. It it was like war, but it didn't last that long. It lasted probably twelve months or six months or mm. three months. Really, a lot of places closed down. But this is different. You have you pay and say you take a cafe, or uh, I say a butchers or anybody in that line of business yeah. that has coolers going, fridges going, they could be easily in two months could be saying four thousand, five thousand. Oh yeah, so that's oh, yeah. double. Absolutely. So, so what are you calling for to happen here, Jimmy? The government, it's, it's, it's not, there's no use giving that step. This is, oh, we're going to give you that something, and they're talking about mm. The government are on the board. The government representative there. It's an absolute emergency. There's not, I, we were chatting about it here this morning. There's not, and Putin, Putin, um, by the way, I think everyone expects Ukraine to win the war. <laughs> mm. Well, of course, it's not the Ukraine anymore now. It, it's the UN is fighting Russia. But that's another day's work. Mm. But I'm saying, he, what he's doing is he's closing down Ukraine that can't do anything, that can't make a cup of tea, that can't do anything. 40%, he's bombed all the, all the supply places. And this is what he'll do. He, he's taken out their their electricity and their power. And there's an actually, this is a strong word, but it, there's an actually a comparison between what, what, what Putin is doing and what the ESP are doing. How, how can they do it? No, I'm okay, sure they they would disagree yeah. profoundly with you that that is well, a fair comparison. You know, if you if you're a business and say we're here for 
20 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Mm. And we simply can't say to somebody, oh, by the way, um, there's your coffee or cappuccino and it's a tenner. I hope it's more, I think it's more than a tenner. And it's, it's about 450 now or four years or country, or whatever. It's a tenner. It's 12 euro. People can't do it. And then on the other thing, people themselves, the domestic bills have gone up. And they don't know what's coming down the line. And they, they, they haven't got, they're saying, oh, geez, we're not, you know, if you see the, any of the commentators, like yourself on the telly, or on the radio, you cut back. Oh, you'll be cut back on, on, on the coffee. They all yeah. seem to hit the coffee. But sure, what keeping people, a lot of people saying, Fran, is at the end of the day, and you're going home there, and you're sitting, you're going to the cafe, and sit down, have a cafe, or Absolutely. have a bun. And that's a great all. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are they doing, people? What are they they doing? Well, Jimmy, you make some some great points there, and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us uh, today. That's uh, Jimmy, and I'm sure their points will be going back to time and time again. All right, let us... uh, Let's cheer ourselves up a little bit and looks, uh, let's look forward to Halloween celebrations this coming weekend. And I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Fergal O'Keefe of Travel Tales with uh, Fergal. It's a big job today to cheer us up, Fergal, I can tell you, with all this talk of doom and gloom. I know, but you know what? It's a great time of year. I mean, Halloween is getting bigger. It's always been massive in Ireland and originated in Ireland and it gets bigger every year. I love this time of year, even in Ar- even O'Keefe's, like our, one of our biggest nights every year year we have a Halloween party every bank holiday weekend on the Sunday and it is it gets bigger every year to level now where I notice on the Saturday night people are coming in and fancy dress it's fancy dress party so people love it actually it's a lovely time it's, of year it's a great and you say it's a great place to celebrate to, to celebrate Halloween as you say in the place where it all began yeah and you know what it's it's becoming massive like yeah. I was just starting I did a bit of research before and coming on about what's on and the list just kept Get, get, get getting bigger and bigger and bigger because it's, it's huge now. There's like festivals and activities throughout Ireland. So mm. it's quite amazing, um, you know, and throughout the world, you know, it's, it's become a big thing. You know, sometimes we think Halloween, we imported from America, but mm. really with Samhain, you know, it originally it was you know, a harvest fest thing and when you know, winter was coming into Ireland and, you know, it's, it's I remember even last year I was over in Galicia around this time last year on the Camino and it was amazing because they had a festival there sound as well S-A-M A-I-N and it was the same thing like I noticed like in the houses when you're walking along the Camino you would see these like witches on brooms in most of the houses and food outside as well so it's very similar to our own uh, Halloween festival as well so Mm. it was huge there as well so it's quite quite amazing You mentioned Mexico as well Mm. Yeah, and the same thing again like so traditionally like in Ireland we used to call it like it was called the Festival of the Dead and in Mexico, they call it, um, you know, the Day of the Dead as well. Yes. You remember from that movie, uh, Spectra, oh, the James yes, Bond course, movie yeah, at the start yeah. in Mexico City and everybody dressing up with the skull faces. So it's a huge thing there. Yeah. And again, for Harvest Festival tradition. So it's a massive thing. So if you, you know, I would say the one place in the world, if you wanted to go somewhere abroad for Halloween, that would be the one. And it's all over oh, everywhere yeah. in Mexico. And did you mention Edinburgh as well? Yeah, and Edinburgh. Yeah. And again, they call that Suen Fire. Festival. Right. 
Right. So, so the, the Gaelic. Exactly. Yeah. And that's in Edinburgh and that's activities all week as well, particularly over next mm. weekend. So that's a great one. It's great. What about here in Tipperary? Yeah, and there's huge stuff on. I mean, I, I would say to people like if they're anywhere around Tipperary in the area around southern Tipperary to make a detour this week, well, actually more this week coming and, and the following week go through New Inn. They have a thing called Spookfest. And I don't know if you've ever passed through. I have indeed. But it's isn't fantastic. It brilliant. So yeah, oh, every, every house has, has puppets yeah. or statues statues and things out in front of their houses and the whole village get involved and it's amazing, you know, bales of hay and, you know, I, I noticed last year in the last couple of years like every second house seemed to have a funny Trump one, so it'll be interesting will there be, who it'll be this year, yeah, you know yeah. but um, that's always great and there's loads on throughout Tipperary um, you know, Nina have their own festival on, it's a big festival on it's it's on all Spolder, week, yeah. yeah and yeah. that's a big one and they have a parade on uh, next weekend, it's on uh, Halloween as well, so that'll be a big one. Um, and then, obviously, another one, you know, I, I was doing a bit of research and was saying that, that the tradition of pumpkins, I mm. think it's quite a new thing in Ireland, but supposedly it came from Ireland to America. Oh, did I always thought that was the Americanization. That, well, that's the, what I would have told yeah. as well, because when we were growing up, you know, pumpkins, I never saw a pumpkin. yeah, pumpkins weren't the thing, yeah. but it's become a big thing now. Yeah. Is pumpkin picking, and there's actually a farm out in Cashel, Kingstown Farm. If you look them up, they um, they're on Instagram and on Twitter or on Facebook. And they take bookings as well. Go and on. you can go out and pick your own pumpkin. It's a pumpkin farm. So pick your own. They've got activities and things like that. So if you're looking for things to do with kids, they, they're doing that all week and next week. So that would be good, a, yeah. a really good one. What about the scary aspect of it then? Yeah, so for yeah. over 18s, uh, yes. this is a really interesting one, is Lismore Castle. And they're doing Lismore Castle Dungeon. And this is over 18s and it's a major one. So it's it's next weekend coming now on the 30th, 31st. And the, the 30th is already sold out but they do have a bit of availability for the 31st and what is they've actually I think it's like 24, 26 actors, it's going to be in 8 different rooms and you know it, it sounds amazing So it, and it, they say it's over 18 so oh. I, I, I would guess with And the is act- it just a trip through the castle, is it? I tell you, down the dungeons, oh, down in areas that normally aren't open to right. the public. Okay. So they, they've got a website, actually, lismorecastledungeon.com. So if you go on to that and have a look at it, so that sounds amazing for over 18s. And I know then separately, Lismore Castle Art on the, I think it's on the Monday night, are doing like a, a scary movie as well as another activity. So I think that would be a, a very atmospheric uh, one, wouldn't uh, it? What a setting uh, as well. Exactly. Uh, let's go national then. Yeah, so the big one... I mean, as I said, there's activities all over the country, but the big one is the Puka Festival, which is uh, Fall to Ireland and Tourism Ireland are really promoting that one. And that, so there's a huge support behind that. That's the idea of that is to become like a national festival, sort of an international festival. Mm. And it's, it's based in Mead, so it's around At Boy and Frim. But there's activities on, it's from the 28th to the 31st, but if you're anywhere around that area, there's activities on all, you know, made like, like, and for loads of free gigs like Sharon Shannon and uh, Key Lad, they've got a parade on the, the 31st. But there's loads like Blind Boys going to be at it, and Lisa Hannigan, Kathy Davy. So it's a, it's a major festival with paid and free gigs and, and uh, parades and things like that. But that is you with comedy as well. So they're, they're really, you know, say the, the right. national government 
government are going, even though it's it's on a mead, but if you're anywhere around that area, that's going to be a major one, which I think is going to grow. And if you're also a mead, I've been before, there's a farm up there called Cowsey Farm. They do, you know, at Christmas time, they do Santa and they're really good. Mm. They've got a pharmaphobia and they've got all sorts of activities. Pharmaphobia. Yeah, and it's a brilliant one and mazes and things like that. So right. if you're around the mead area or Dublin or whatever, I would really recommend that. Yeah. What, what about Kilkenny then? I think Kilkenny, yeah. yeah, exactly. Close to us, the Noor yeah. Valley Park in Kilkenny, Bennett's Bridge. They've got like a scary maze and a torchlit procession. So noorvalleypark.com, that's from the 22nd to the 31st. It'd be great. That They say it's from ages eight upwards. So that would be a great one for kids. And then it within the, you know, the Medieval Mile Museum area, which is promoted by Kilkenny, that's another good one where they've got, um, they're going to have activities as well for that. So Medieval Mile, I think it is, is, mm. the, is the website. And in Limerick and, too. And then in Limerick, there's 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 a Halloween festival there, Sound again. The Lumen Street Theatre have one. And then near Limerick, you've got Bunratty, which is famous, the folk park, and they're famous for doing their Christmas. But they also do one for Halloween as well. And that's for kids and up, and that'll be a great... That, that's that'll perfect be brilliant. for it too, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely one worth travelling to. So I, I would really recommend that. Yeah. That would be a great one. I was thinking about the one, The Devil in County Wexford. What is that about? Spooky yeah. tours? So there's, you know, Loftus Hall is oh, a famous yeah. one, you know, a famous haunted house that's kind of internationally known. And they, so they always have loads of activities and uh, scary tours and things like that during Halloween. I think tying in with that, then Hook Lighthouse as well, they're going to be doing activities and face painting and um, all sorts of activities all around. So that area around Wexford, they're going to, it's amazing, isn't it? Like the, the whole country, it's growing. It's incredible, I, isn't it? Yeah. What, what about Dublin. In Dublin and then Dublin obviously there's loads going on in Dublin as well. So, you know, like um all, all the like Bram Stoker famously, you know, is is, is from Dublin. So yeah. there's a Bram Stoker festival. His grand great grandnephew is go, is doing actually a, a little play talking about Dracula that that'll be on during it and there's you know activities there's talks bramstrokerfestival.com so that's you know it's um stuff going on all over the city there like you know with theatre storytelling music all sorts of stuff but bramstrokerfestival.com from the 28th to the 31st and then there's another one called uh, Nightmare Realm which is Mary located at Mary Street Lane there's also haunted tours in Dublin if you just look up Halloween in Dublin there's loads Wicklow Jail are doing like scary tours in the jail as well so again there's loads of activities going on in Dublin which um, would be all very good I, I suppose those Magnus in, in uh, Galway, they're getting in on the... In the on air, the exactly. <laughs> Con Moore, they're calling it. And they've around their HQ, it's in Fisheries Field in Dublin, the Magnus HQ. They're, they're doing loads of things around the Dedanon tribe and, you know, the way they do those big, huge statues, the big, huge uh, things and the parade and things. So there's loads going on. But also in Galway, you know, if you wanted another thing is the Galway Comedy Festival, which is probably one of the best comedy festivals in the country. Mm. They have loads of activities going on all week actually from I think it's starting tomorrow until next all Monday right, okay. so that's a new big festival Dylan Moore loads of international local acts all sorts of stuff and I'm sure they'll have Halloween they usually have sort of some Halloween themed stuff on over the weekend so that's a really big one that I'd really recommend and uh, we did look at some of what's happening uh, abroad but it's amazing the whole the whole world seems to be getting in on, on Halloween it's well it's huge I mean it's huge in America now I mean you know Halloween you know you know it from movies like even from E.T. 
famously, you know, and it, it's 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 you always has been used yeah. there. I mean, the famous New Orleans is is great. You know, it's oh, famous. Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is obviously we know it for Mardi Gras, but also again tying in with the sort of pagan rituals like with Mexico yes. and. New Orleans has that that old pagan traditions, and it's it's supposed to be an amazing place for uh, Halloween. So oh, that would be a great place to go. What to. about Transylvania in Romania? And that's Are the they? Other, and they're 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 cashing in again on the on the Dracula. Dracula. So they like you can actually go like it's called the Brand Castle, which was the castle that Dracula was based on. And again, they've got loads of festivals, um, you know, and activities going on yes. around there as well. Have you been to Transylvania? No, I haven't I'd actually. Love to go. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Would it yeah. 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 No, it's, especially around this time of year. It would yeah. be very atmospheric, wouldn't it? What about the United States? Because, I mean, you know, okay, it all started here, but it was sort of glossed up and commercialised in the States, it's fair to say, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like it, it and, and we've kind of inherited it. Yeah. I, saw, I saw a good one the other day. Um, it was in Australia, and it was like a guy had written up in his door saying, clear off, I don't want any of your American festivals. Don't <laughs> knock here, you know? Yeah. But, it, the, but, I mean, it originated in Ireland. Ireland. That's the amazing thing, yeah. and we sent it to America, and, that, and that's why I think it's it's being pushed again, like by the Irish, like say with that Puka festival and in Dublin, like everywhere, all over the country. So I think that's yeah. uh, the amazing thing. And you, you mentioned New Orleans, but but Salem, uh, the Salem. home of the witchcraft, yeah, exactly, yeah. and they they have loads of festivals there. So that that's a very and again Massachusetts has that like the autumn and the winter feel. But I suppose the most famous, the biggest one is Mexico, like that. You know, that's a real old pagan. It's a harvest festival. Festival, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, as I said, like on that film Inspector, you saw it there, like that was, you know, like people dress up, and so the tradition is like people go to the graveyards, and you know, it's quite amazing how. You know, like in, you know, at first it was a pagan festival, like, and then it was taken over when the Christianity came. They turned into All Saints Day. Yeah. So, like in Mexico, it's kind of combined because there people go to the graveyards, pray for the dead, and but then you know, every, every town has got their own parades. It's it's nearly really like St Patrick's Day in Ireland for Mexico. So that would, if I would say anywhere to travel in the world, that would be the place to go to. Just about out of time. Um, talk to me about uh, podcasts, Fergal. What what's yeah? Up? So uh, you know. What you can check on so traveltaleswithfergal.ie or else um, even if you go traveltaleswithfergal all the ones I'll have a new one coming up now next time I'll be on which I'll be talking about that one I've got a great trip lined up so we'll be out when next very good. so you're packing your bags again exactly I am <laughs> well we wish you the very best as always Fergal thanks very much indeed for coming into us t- today and uh, with all that talk about uh, Halloween of course Thurlist is a great Halloween festival as well and I know up around uh, ourselves there Knockavilla Dundrum there's always scary stuff happening I can tell you that's just about it uh, from me for today thanks as always to Emma who produced and to Ellie who looks after our content I'll speak to you tomorrow look after yourselves in the meantime bye bye Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.